Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, Evan was just ready to start. Yeah, let's do it. We hit record and we're not getting too serious. Nope. Nope, as usual, not so serious Sunday. We've got our beers in hand, and uh, let's just talk about beer. Let's right just off talk the top. about beer off the top. Let's change it up. Okay. Postmark, Postmark Brewery. Ooh. That's where I got this baby from. And I have to say, they only had four beers on tap, but each one was awesome. And the hardest thing about going there today was picking which beer we would be drinking. So, so we got here, what is this, like a... West Coast Pale Ale or something? You got it. Spot on. We got the West Coast Pale Ale. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm starting to get, like, pretty good at, like, pulling out these characteristics on this. Yeah, you have beer craft right now. This mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty skillful. Yep. So our other options today were their IPA. They didn't really have, like, crazy names for them. But yep. they had an IPA and a stout. And I'm not usually an IPA fan, but this one was really good. It was quite good. Um, and I was almost going to get it. They had a seasonal, they called it the ISSA, and it was a Saison, which was kind of like mixed with But like, an ISA, a Session Ale. Yeah. So it was a little bit hoppy, but a little bit Saison-y. Yeah. Ah. It was good. It, um, it, it, was, it was really tasty, although um, for me, I, I, I mean, I don't want to say anything negative, but I, it kind of reminded me of a really light lager, like almost like a... And it was not, it was not like this, but it kind of reminded me almost like a, I just want to say a beer that I've had a lot, like kind of a common beer. You know right. what I mean? The mixture to me was a little bit, so even though I really liked it, I, it kind of gave me a little bit of that reminder and that's kind of why I didn't go that way. But, um, but I still really liked it. I would get it, but it's seasonal. So it's gone in two weeks. So yeah. by the time anyone hears this, you have to wait till it's next gone. season, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way is, uh, I guess winter. Yeah. Yeah. Still. So, Still winter for a few few more weeks. So it's a winter beer for them. Uh, West Coast Pale Ale, I really like it. Their stout was super dark, kind of coffee, like kind of, you know, really, really nice, full, you know. And uh, the IPA had a nice little bite, but not too much. Not too hoppy, but really good Well, I like this um, flavor. I like this West Coast Pale Ale. Mm. It's, su- it's really dry. Yeah, it's got a, yeah. Like really dry, like... As soon as like you've you've like swallowed it down, it's kind of gone. It just kind of disappears, mm-hmm. which I like. Yeah, and uh, it's got a good it's got a good taste on the front end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, it's not. It's like just a, a little bit of hop, which would be the West Coast Pale Ale style of it. Yeah, a little bit of that hop, a little bit of that sort of punch to it. Mm-hmm. But that's really I really like that one. Yeah, it's a good really beer. Like it. So you know what? There's a couple things we did this a little differently. By the way, this isn't a beer talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are... For those of you for first time listeners, yeah. we don't just talk about beer, even though we spent the first few minutes doing it. We actually on on not so serious Sundays. If this is your first one, we talk about whatever we want. We'll ultimately end up talking about art and integrity. Yeah, I mean that is what the show is about. I mean we oftentimes have more specific topics that we that we jump into, but you know, it's always going to be mostly around art, creativity, the creative process, that sort of thing. So 
It's going to get to that at some point here. Mm-hmm. But don't rush into it, because no. we, we don't want you to get too serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, we got something to celebrate today. I mean, it's a little celebration. 20th podcast that we've done together. Oh, look at that. Yeah. It's like two decades of <laughs> podcast in... Yeah. That, that makes no, no sense at I, all, but... No. How much... Is that got a lot of alcohol? I should check. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but 20. We've done 20. I think uh, I think we're warming up to this whole thing, getting a little better at talking. Definitely settled in since our first one. Yeah. Um, from our humble beginnings. Yeah, from our humble beginnings. Um, but I thought, you know, uh, also, when people listen to this, it's, it's uh, going to be way past, but the Oscars are on right now. Yes. We're celebrating, you know great performances in, uh, you know, motion pictures. So, I don't know, our 20th anniversary on kind of the Oscar night is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, this is a year where the Oscars have been surrounded by a little bit of controversy. Uh, I don't really want to get into that subject. There's more than enough articles about what's sort of been going on this year with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we always try not to be critical of of anything that's happening you know uh don't want to take anything away from the nominees this year no you know who no. uh who've all done an exceptional job and uh so you know celebration of that and people people yeah. doing doing their best work you know i think um with anything anything like this that comes up though about the whole race issue sex issue whatever you know it's it's all about at the end of the day we're all we're all human beings, you know, and I think that the sooner that we get to that as, as just a people, you know, that we're all people, uh, I mean, I'm not saying that things are okay and that they're perfect and everything's done right. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying some people don't have, uh, don't, don't see benefits and some people have things kind of working against them. But I think the thing is, is that no matter if you're angry or not uh, about anything, I think we all got to look at it and be like, okay, we're all people, you know? Yeah. And the best thing we can do is not try to go us first them as much as possible, in my opinion. Um, but, which is but, what, you know, it turned a little bit into that, turned, that, that, which was, was the, the most upsetting thing about me in that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, was that it did become uh, a lot of pointing fingers and a lot of blaming and, you know, and it, it didn't seem to, to be resolving the issue. With that said, I mean, there have been some changes and some things that are being implemented, yeah. uh, which I think is, is great. Uh, you know, I didn't like a lot of the, like, there was a lot of back and forth kind of stuff going on. I was like, oh, I wish somebody would, like, really help the situation <laughs> yeah. for the most part. But, I mean, I think there probably were. It's just, you know, a lot of times it's the people who speak with the loudest, angriest voice who get the Heard. most attention, right? And, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, a lot of times the, the cooler heads <laughs> are not the ones who get the exposure, so I'm sure if, if, you know, you're listening to this and you are uh, a person who is noted and quoted in <laughs> some sort of a publication and you were opting for a more measured approach and a more compassionate approach to all of this, then my hat is off to you. And I'm sorry <laughs> that I did not come across <laughs> your comments. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's challenging. It, you know, it's a challenging one to navigate to because you got to try on everybody. I mean... You know, and um, I forget who was saying, I just got to watch just a little bit of the beginning of the Oscars before we jumped into this, but um, on the red carpet there, one of the, one of the, um, one of the 
Oscar winners back in the day said, you know, um, it, we're all people at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's, you know, if, if it's woman or man or, or black, white, you know, whatever, like Aboriginal, it, you know, we're all Asian, Latin, you know, Latino, just keep Latino. naming it. Yeah. Right. It's like at the end of the day, there's always going to be a subgroup of a subgroup. You know, there's always going to be something. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, I think that, uh, we've talked a bit about this and we talked a bit of our, our last podcast, I think, but you know, your past is something that if you keep putting it in your future, it will kind of keep being your future. And I think in some ways, yeah, we got to remember, we have to, you know, we have to have history and we have to remember where we came from and we've grown a long way. But if we keep putting our, our past in front of us, um, it, in some ways that will keep us perpetuating it, you know, and, and in some ways it's not to forget about it, but we, we do have to forgive our past because if, you know, if, if we, I mean, just, I just think about myself, right? Like if I make a mistake in, in life, just with myself, I make a mistake and then I spend the rest of my life beating myself up for it. I relive that mistake for the rest of my life. Now, was it okay that I made that mistake? Did that mistake cause damage? Maybe, and maybe it wasn't okay. But the thing is, is that, and, and I can remember that, but I don't, in, in some ways, I'm going to have to at some point forgive myself for doing that so that I can get on with it and do something better. Yeah, and you can actually change that. Yeah. yeah and the only way to change that is by letting it go. Mm-hmm. I, I An acquaintance friend of mine uh, who's an actor, they were in a class at one time and they were uh, talking about how they were they were struggling with this one particular scene that they were in and the teacher said to them at the point, uh, she's like, well, stop, stop telling yourself this story because she was saying like, oh, you know, this is a, this has been a problem for me. You know, I always kind of do this, this whenever I, I do a scene and when this happens and blah, 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 it's like, okay. And this is exactly what you're talking about. It's, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, you're basing what you're doing now and what you are to do based on like one or two past experiences Mm -hmm. and you keep telling yourself the story that you always do this. Well, then you kind of will just always continue to do that because you're so focused on it. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's even actually more detrimental than the things you do in your own life in some ways are when we carry things that people said to us or did to us. And I quote that like quotation that, but, um, like if, you know, for example, when I was a kid, my, my, I told my parents, Hey, I want to be an actor. You know what I mean? And you know, my mom at one point was like, Oh, you know, that's, that's for certain people. I don't know if she realized the impact of that comment, but at the time I actually believed that only certain people could be actors or in the industry. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't even know if she said that exactly, but my childhood memory, I remembered it that way. And for a lot of my life, I never believed that I could do that. So, you know, I could, I could look back in my life and I could be mad about that and say whatever. But the thing is, is like, you know, or, or someone said, you know, you're not, you're not good enough or, you know, you're just this or you're whatever. If you, if you take that thing that they said or they did, um, and I could think of other things in my life and you make that your present day, I mean, you're basically giving someone the authority to decide what your present and what your future is going to be. And so like, I think about like, you know, the abuse that, say certain races have taken in the past, you know, like, uh, particularly in the States. Okay. So the African Americans or the aboriginals, right? So you take that and, and, uh, the abuse that they've taken. And the thing is, is that, you know, you could let that 
in certain ways define your future, or you could you could define your future from where you're at. And I think like, you know, when you look at the past and you look at like, yeah, never let that type of thing happen again. And, you know, I, I, I try to relate to it. I look at it as I was bullied in high school, right? And I grew up at a certain point, I realized, okay, I'm not going to be bullied anymore. I'm not going to be pushed around. I'm not going to. And also like, here's an even better example, watching my friend get bullied. Okay. There was a time where there was this really big kid. He was pretty mean and he was bullying my friend around. He's pushing him in class and I was too scared to stand up for him. And afterwards, my friend said to me, he goes, you know what? You didn't really stand up for me or whatever. And I felt terrible. And after that point, I realized, you know what? If anyone around me that I care about is being bullied, I don't care who it is. I'm going to make a stand. I'm going to stand up for them because the feeling I felt of not doing it was, was, was too terrible. Now, the thing is, is I could look at that past moment in my life and I could say, I'm not the kind of person that stands up or I'm weak or I'm whatever. I'm a coward and I could live coward for the rest of my life. Or I could say this happened, not because this happened, I'm courageous now, but because I was lucky to experience this because now it taught me what, why I should build courage. Not this defines me, but it helped me better define who I want to be. And that's kind of the distinction. It's, it's, it's fine, but I think that's where, you know, when we look at certain things that have happened in the past, we got to like not let them define us, but use them as like almost like a gift. You yeah. Know? Yeah. There's a, there's a great uh, author named Thomas Moore and he's got a great book called Care of the Soul. And I remember he had this one chapter and he's talking about, and he's a, he's a, he's a psychologist and he's also studied and done all kinds of things. And he's an expert in so many different fields. Uh, he has a very interesting perspective on things. And he tells a lot of his, his clients, like a lot of his patients and stuff like, uh, you know, a lot of people, they, they use, or they talk about sort of their family life as if, you know, it's this reason for them all being the way that they are, you know, uh, and, and, you know, we've all, we all fall into this trap and you have to catch yourself doing it. I catch myself doing it, you know, where, where we, we, where we victimize ourselves, we make ourselves victims of situations that have happened to us or things that are happening to us. And we've talked about this before where it's like, but if you, if you are aware of what's happening, then that means that you can do something to change it. Anyhow, what this one, what Thomas More was saying in his book is that he tries to change people's view and perspective on it. It's like, you're not simply a product of your family life or your, your childhood. Those are the, basically the building blocks of which you make yourself, Hmm. you know, so you can either choose for it to be this, you know, this direct equation. It's like, well, one plus one equals two. That's me. Right. Right. That's not necessarily the case of, of what it is. I'm trying to think of a good metaphor (laughs) to change that around, but it's, it's not necessarily the equation. It's like, okay, well maybe there's one and one, but now you decide how you want, how you want to turn that. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I, I, I hear what you're saying and I'll expand on that point from a perspective that I have, which is that, you know, I do these, um, I'll do these coaching consultations with like new clients who <clears throat> I'm considering bringing into the school. And one of the processes that I try to go through is I try to help them see, cause 
you know, I, I uncovered this thing, you know, a while back where I realized that, you know what, there are no obstacles really in our way for the most part. It's actually almost entirely us. You know, if we, yeah, some of us don't start from as easy of a spot. Sometimes we're dealt certain cards that are, you know, maybe that don't make things as easy from the beginning. But regardless of that, you are where you are. And then it's your decision, you know, if if you have to walk 10 steps to get to you know, the, the end of the room, and I have to walk 15 steps. It's not like, yeah, you have to walk less steps. But the thing is, is I still know I need to walk 15 steps. It's, it's not like, but you know, it's not like, um, it's, it's not like I'm worse than you. It's just that I'm farther away from the door. That That's it, right? So when we start in life, sometimes we're closer to the door of where we want to go. And sometimes we're farther away. But if we look at it, like I'm less than you, because I'm farther away, it's a totally, um, inaccurate way of seeing ourselves. Yeah. Right. And so one of the things that I try to help people do in that initial call is I try to see where they're at and, and point out the fact that you're looking through the world. And often people are doing this through goggles as though you're not good enough. And really, if you just looked at it like, Hey, I'm just farther away. There's just certain things I have to do that they didn't have to do. So just do those things, set yourself up to do that. And like, if you're, if you're hearing this, if someone's hearing this on the other end of the line, they're going, yeah, but that's you in your way right there. You know, that's you in your way. If you go, yeah, but, or you're trying to blame it on them or make an excuse or do anything like that. It, you know, just because it's, it's harder work for you doesn't, doesn't give you the excuse to, you know, live your life like you're less than someone else. You know what right. I mean? And I think sometimes people do that. They go, oh, it's going to be harder work for me. I'll just start telling the story that it's not fair. It's like, well, you know, some things are not fair. I mean, it's all relative anyway. Like some people start off with like, you know, they live in a trailer park. Some people live in mansions. Some people are in the 1% of the world. You know what I mean? Where some people have different starting points. But the thing is, if you actually look at, there's always an ebb and a flow to everything. There's like a yin and a yang. So like, if you get all the advantages with money, then you actually often have a lot of disadvantages somewhere else because money covers certain things that you would otherwise build. Yeah. So when, if you look and compare yourself only on money, you're negating the fact that you probably have opportunity to build skills that someone might be able to not build. You know what I mean? Like who, who does, because you know, <laughs> There's all sorts of things, you know, that we don't always see the whole picture. We only see it from our perspective. Yeah. And that's not to say that there aren't, you know, there aren't places necessarily within our society that we have not found, you know, an equal ground for everyone yet, you know, in, in terms of rights and treatments in certain, in certain ways, you know, I'm not saying like, I, I, like for me, I can't in, in my right mind, or at least I won't in my right mind say that there aren't prejudices for any number of different reasons that are, that exist out in the world. Like there are, there are. However, it's like you're saying, it's one of those things where it's like, well, you know, yes, but what is, what is making yourself a victim of these things going to do for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's nothing. No, you know, no, no one's going to come and give you a handout for being a victim. Well, really. they, they will, mean, but it's like, might, a, it's, but it's I a mean, short term temporary ceiling kind of idea. It's not going to get you where you really want to go. Yeah. 
I mean, I think the thing is, you know, when I've played victim, which I've done before in my life, I mean, you get sympathy, you get, you know, you, people feel sorry for you, you know what I mean? So you do it, right? And I mean... Yeah, it can it, feel good momentarily. Yeah, and then, you you know, if, you, if you're aware and you realize, or you're brought to awareness, or you have an awareness, you might realize what you're actually giving up by trying to keep that, right? And, um, you know, uh, yeah, also, I mean, yeah, there are prejudices out there, and there are people in the world who don't... Um, you know, who, 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 uh, are racist, who are sexist, who are, you know, and that's, you know, that's out there. But the thing is, is I think we got as a, as a, just as a culture, but as a person in each person, we need to stop defining our life based on someone else's approval, you know, like yeah, whether someone gives you the thing or gives you the opportunity or not does not like, but we're so pursuing these material type of things like, I think that, you know, it's good we're talking about the Oscars in relation to this, because, like, you know, if you do an amazing, absolutely, like, wonderful uh, performance, let's just call it that, um, is an actor, for example, you know, you do this wonderful thing, you have this wonderful experience performing, and you don't win an Oscar, um, does, does, like, does that make that less somehow? You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. if we're always chasing the recognition and we're chasing the approval and we're chasing all this other stuff, I mean, it undermines the whole, whole thing. Yeah. I mean, and how can you, how can you really work from, from that place? How can you, at least, how can you give your best work? How can you, and by that, I mean, your most truthful and honest work. Mm-hmm. How can you possibly do that if you've constantly got like this one eye on the prize? Like, you know, I don't know if, Leonardo DiCaprio or Daniel Day-Lewis or <laughs> or Meryl Streep are in the middle of their performance thinking about how this could garner them, you know, an Oscar. I highly doubt or, it. I highly doubt it because if you're thinking about that, I mean you're you're appealing to you're appealing to an egotistical sense of of accomplishment. You're looking for this outside validation of, "Oh, yes, if I get this award, it means that I'm I'm great at what I do. Yeah. I, you know, I, I would not be surprised if I would not be surprised if they look at a script when they see a script and they say, okay, this is a great story. You know, this could be something, this could do something, you know, but, um, you know, and they have that opportunity, you know, if any, and I'm going to go back to my earlier comment. If people are saying, yeah, but on the other, other line of this, yeah, but they get the opportunity. Yeah, but they get to work with the great director. Yeah, but they get access to the great scripts that's your bullshit. That's you in your own way. You know what I mean? If, if, if that's the problem, then go solve that problem. Stop complaining about it. You know, like, um, people, like people walk around, like you can't get access to these things. You know what I mean? Like there's this whole thing like, oh, well, you know, I can't get access to the best writers. You know how many great scripts, there's so many great scripts out there. They're not being made. You know what I mean? There's great novels out there waiting to be adapted. There's, there's, great stories within us waiting to be told. And it's like, okay, first, you know, take, take it into your own hands. If you, if you don't feel that you can cross that gap, then take responsibility for it and figure out how to get it done. You know, there's all sorts of people who are in the same place looking, looking like, man, if all the pieces were right, I could really show what I could do or whatever. Be the person who put the pieces together, you know, put the, someone's got to do it, you know, but if we wait around for someone who did put the pieces together to select us, I mean, to come along, I mean, and I know that I, I was like this quite a bit in my early acting 
career and you know not maybe not even so long ago mm-hmm. but just feeling like okay well if i'm if i'm just good enough and i'm a good person and blah 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 uh and you know i just keep showing up you know like uh, someone will just you know come and pluck me pluck me out from the pile and throw me down this like path of of fame and fortune and all of the best roles and, <laughs> and it's like it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Not that it doesn't happen, but the odds of that happening are not great. No. And we talk so often about how, again, that's how, how can you do your best work if that's, if that's what you've got your eye on, mm-hmm. if that's what the ultimate goal is for you, mm-hmm. you know, the, the goal is the journey, mm-hmm. you know, like there's nothing, and that's not to say there's anything wrong with fame, fortune, winning awards, that sort of thing. There's, there's, it means not, it doesn't really mean anything in terms of what you do with your work. You know, it's like whether you win an award or not, like it's all, like again, we, we'll, people will be arguing tomorrow about who won this yeah. or that. Oh, this person should have got it. That person should have got, got it. So in that in itself means that it's all kind of meaningless in, in sort of a, deeper deeper level it's like well who and also who who remembers mm-hmm. what happened like maybe you remember a few of the winners from last year mm-hmm. but what about the year before that mm-hmm. you know like there's obviously there's, there's somebody like, out there yeah. who's just like i remember all of it <laughs> and that's great that's fantastic but for the most part people don't remember no. people don't remember this stuff so the thing that you have to hold on to is the work that you're doing, the love of the work that you're doing, the joy that you have in the work that you're doing. You know, it's interesting, right? Like, um, well, let's take it back away from the Oscars. You know, you can take these like films and stuff and, um, you know, festival awards and whatnot. Well, and I, and I think it's great, you know, like I've won festival awards and, you know, I've, I've, I've been a producer on, on films that have won like, you know, like dozens, like, you know, like 20, 30, 40, uh, awards for one film. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that with these types of films, it, it, they win awards, but like as, as nice as it is to get all that recognition, like it really, the way I look at it is like, you get this recognition, you have an opportunity now to like, really, what are you going to do next? What yeah. are you going to do? Right. And like, yeah, it doesn't I, mean it's all over. No. Like, it doesn't mean it's like, okay, I've got it, and that's it. I'm done. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy street from now on, yeah. you know? Actually, in fact, I think it gets harder. You know, uh, I think it actually gets harder. Like, in, in my experience, you know, once you start making award-winning films, now everything you got to do is award-winning. And if it's not award-winning, now what? You know what I mean? And, like, um, I've seen a lot of people... Uh, you know, also make their film and they've won some awards and stuff. And then I, and like, what are you doing next? And they don't know. And I I just think like that, that's a product of like, Oh, when I win the awards, I've made it, you know, just what you're talking about. It's like, no, you won the award. So you can open up the door to do something that like, I mean, if you make a short film and it wins a bunch of awards, yeah. Okay. Some people saw it. But really, in the scheme of things, how many people really saw it? You know what I mean? I think the nice thing is, when you look at like these, the Oscars, for example. I mean, you're on the world stage for the most part. You know, the whole world's watching. Like, that's one. That's one way in which you could look like, okay, well, I made a film. But when I look at like a lot of these actors, filmmakers, writers, editors, you know, set deck, all this stuff, right? I look at them doing all these things, 
Um, okay, I'm not going to name all the categories, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that they're looking for their next film to express the the highest caliber of their craft and their art that they can. You know, it's... it's um, Or the ideas that are important to them. Yeah. Right now, I mean, that's that's always the thing. Like there's never a shortage of inspiration, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and follow that inspiration, follow that passion. It might not necessarily bring with it the same, the same acclaim that your previous work did. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that in her book, uh, big magic, which is, I've said, mentioned it a few times, but it is a, a really terrific book on, on creative process. And she talks about, I mean, as somebody who wrote, a book that was on the New York Times bestseller list for like two years, something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Eat, Pray, Love was a massive success. Obviously, they made a big movie about it and yeah. all this stuff. And then it was this thing, and she even talks about how people were coming up to her because of the huge success of this book, a lot of her peers and, and other writers, and saying, oh my God, this is terrible. What are you going to do next? <laughs> because you're at the top. Yeah. And there's only one way to go from the top, which is down, right? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. the thing is, it's like, you can't, you can't base how you work on that. No. Because then you'll never make anything. It's and then you'd, Yeah, and then you'd be robbing yourself and you'd be robbing other people of your voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, uh, I was working with someone today uh, who's written a screenplay, and... Um, I always like to celebrate every time someone writes a full feature. Usually, I mean, a lot of time people are writing their first feature or people sometimes have written features before, but it's their first feature where they can be like, this is a really like a story. Like this is something that had a character that had an arc and like, it's emotionally moving, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I go, great. And I always want to celebrate with them because I, because I look at that, I go, that's a celebration. And I was talking to this one person today and she was like, well, my mom doesn't want to celebrate until the script's sold. And I was like, well, <clears throat> that's fine, but don't take on that mentality because the thing is, it's like, that's based on, first of all, that's based on someone else. That's, you're giving someone else the power. You had the power. You followed through and you wrote this script and you did something that you're proud of, that you know had a character arc, that you know ha- has emotional movement, that you know, you know, went through a process that told a real story, something that people can really connect to. Yeah. You know, like that's where you, like, cause if you, if you always make it like, Oh, well, I'm not a success until, until I sell it. Well, what's the next step? I'm not a success until I sell it and they make it. I'm not a success until I sell it and they make it and they get a star attached. I'm not a success until it blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. what, what are you going to do? Right. And again, yeah. it's, and, and it's all like all of these things that are leading on to, they're all, they're all some sort of an ego based thing of accomplishment of yeah. validation for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, well, but is that the only reason why you're doing what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Because if it is, then maybe you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing yeah. <laughs> in this life. You know, if that's all it is, because the thing is that it is the, the, the ego will just continually create an endless series of, of things to be fulfilled that are all kind of ultimately meaningless, mm-hmm. you know, cause if you don't value the work unto itself that you're doing, then no award is going to, is going to give that to you. 
temporarily you might feel good, but it, you, you know, you're going to be in, you're going to create your own hell. I mean, you know, I think, uh, someone said something online, uh, a friend or acquaintance of mine, and it was, um, and I don't know if this is a quote from someone else, and maybe I've said it before, but I'm saying it again, is hell's not somewhere you go, it's something you carry with you. And if you think about that, it's true. I mean, if you, if, if, if you create an impossible goal, something that you have no power and no control over whether it happens or not, and you base whether you achieve that or not, um, obviously if it's a lottery type goal, like it's just something that's based on, you know, you could be really good, but there's a lot of other people that are really good. You could be really great. There's a lot of other people that are really great. If one of you are selected and that person who's selected is somehow the person that's going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And you're going to model yourself after that person. Just think about the rest of the time it took together. You just, you just took hell with you because now you just spent all this time not knowing if it was going to work. When you're, in a, when you're pursuing a goal where you know is within your power, where you know that you could achieve given enough persistence, given enough consistency, given enough of your willingness to figure out a way, then it's, it's really joyful. It's exciting yeah. because you're problem solving, you're figuring it out. But when it's up to a lottery, it's just like, oh, I didn't win again. I didn't win again. I didn't win yet. When am I ever going to win? Am I ever going to yeah. win? I don't know if I'm ever going to win. Now you're in hell, you know? Yeah, I mean, because... And I think you bring up a, a really great point. You've actually given me a little bit of clarity on goal setting. Where it's like, you know, goal setting should be all based on something that you know that you can do. Yes. Like, that's all, that's all it is. Like, do I know that I can write a script? Yes. Yeah. What happens to it beyond that? You know, like, yeah, I can, I can do what I can to give that to people, to get it in front of some people to see it. But I don't decide whether that gets made or somebody decides to buy that, who decides to buy that, whether it gets made, who gets attached to that, that is to set a goal as something like that. Like, well, it's, you know, there's that, that's great. But again, it's kind of one of those lottery type things because you don't really, you don't really have control over that, but you do have control over, okay, I'm going to write this thing. I'm going to you know, contact this person or this person because I know I can do that and I'm going to see if they'll, if they'll read it or if they'll take a look at this. Yeah. But that's, I mean, and that's, but the thing is that because it doesn't necessarily give us a reward externally, like something to us, those things in themselves, we don't really see them as something worth celebrating. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's like, yeah, but you accomplish that. You literally accomplish the only thing that you knew you could, you could accomplish. Yeah. And you got it done. Well, and you know, celebrating something that you didn't have control over is, is kind of retarded. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's probably totally politically incorrect. I yeah, mean, that's probably the worst I, comment I, I could have said, but I appreciate the sentiment. Of no, I mean, it, mean. It, it's, it's like you, you're, you are behaving mentally like, like slow because think about it. Just think about it. You're celebrating something that you had no control over. Yeah. Like little to no control over. And even if you argue that you had some control over it, you didn't have full control over it. And you're like, the thing that made the difference was probably the thing you didn't have control over. And you're celebrating, you might as well celebrate for another person. Don't yeah. even claim any of that as your own because that was someone else's choice. You know, a friend of mine is an actor. He said he got a part and the director said to him, you remind me of the way I looked when I was 16 years old. 
that's why he cast him because he said, you know, I, I, that's how I looked and that's, that's, you know, and I was tall and I was lanky and I was whatever. And that, and he, he cast him cause of that now should that actor be like, I'm a great actor or like, that's like crazy to take credit for the fact that you got the part. You got the part because you happen to look like the guy, what he thought <laughs> in his perception of when he was a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Like what's way more way more there to celebrate is the thing that you actually made happen by your own will, by the fact that you did what it took and you found a way to make it happen, you know, but celebrating something that, you know, you were picked out of a pot. I mean, you know, the other thing too is like, what if the best actor that day had an off day and didn't show up? You know, the person who actually, whatever, or what if you found out that you got the part, but really comparatively to like the other actors, they actually did a way better performance than you did. They did, they had way more truth, but you just looked more the part. So you got it. Yeah. Like, does that really feel like celebrating? Like you, you got it. Cause you looked more like it. Like, did you have any control over that? Really? Yeah. Like, you know, maybe you did, maybe people can argue yeah. this, but I'm just saying like, we get into these things where we're celebrating like the total wrong thing. Yeah, no, I get it. You're, you're making more of a, of a theoretical philosophical sort of argument about it. Yeah. I don't think that people shouldn't celebrate because you know, they, they book a job or they win an award. It's no, like, absolutely do it because yeah. you know, you showed up, you did, you know, the work that you did and you were rewarded for it. Fantastic. You know, like celebrate it. Absolutely. But to make that your whole world, you know, to make everything that you do, you know, as some sort of way to get that is, I mean, it's, it's ultimately your work will suffer for it. Yeah. And I think ultimately your mind and your happiness is going to suffer for it because there's only so long that can be sustained because then you're just hopping from like your next reward to the next. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to enjoying the journey. Yeah. You know, and, and people can say, oh, enjoy the journey. Stop. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh, token. I cliche. get it. But you know what the thing is, is that's kind of really like these little things. They're said so much, but they're, they're, they're really like where it's at. I mean, and I'm not saying don't celebrate if you get the part. I mean, you, you know, you go to all these auditions, you do all this stuff. For example, if you're an actor, you, you do all this and finally you get your part, you know, you get your part, you get your opportunity. I mean, of course, celebrate that. But I think on the things to celebrate, you've, you've probably missed like 90 other things that you did, which you had control over that were way more important than this role. And the thing is, if you probably celebrate those 90 things, you probably end up getting more roles anyway, because you would bring up more radiance, you know, like yeah, the number one quality, I know this from casting and producing the number one quality they look for is not the best actor. It's not the best looking as most people think. <laughs> it's the most confidence. And I'm pretty sure that just about anybody will probably agree with me who's on the casting side. Because when someone believes in themselves, when someone has confidence, like a belief in who they are and what they can do and a certain kind of trust, and they're not trying to impress you or, or whatever, but do this thing, they do things that are different. Yeah. They, they, they do things that are honest and they do things that are they build confidence in you because I know this as a director, like I've been on shoots where we had like such a tight shoot and you just need the actor to perform. Cause like you're running behind and you're like, yeah. you know, and when they bang it out first take, I'm like the kind of director. It's like, that was awesome. Let's just do one more just for safety anyway. But it's like, yeah. you just saved my day. Like you just helped me out so much. And so when you're in casting and you have someone just come through the door and they just 
bring something and it's it's not even the way you thought it would be but it's just like they they trusted it and they did it and yeah. you almost go like when you see them you're like they have that like it factor but it's not an it factor it's confidence it's like this it's like this i just i'm gonna do this like you know and sometimes you don't get the part from the confidence but the thing is is i think that that confidence comes from a certain kind of like like owning your life, you know, and not making about whether you get the part or not. Yeah. And, and I think the really like the, the most talented, at least for actors that I've experienced and actually, you know what producers, and I can say this for filmmakers too, but they have a certain kind of air about them. There's a certain kind of like, you know, I have a certain power in me because I know I'm good at my craft and I know I work at it and I'm going to trust that, you know, and and there's a confidence that everyone gets around working with them because you can kind of trust they're going to do their job well. At least they're not going to be like all worried about what you think, you know, like worried, like, oh, is this okay or whatever? Yeah. You know? I, oh yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that's part of why I love your teaching Meisner and what that instills because it instills a lot of those principles. Like in, this is acting specific, but you know, so much of, of, what is emphasized in it is take the attention off of yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's, that's one of the things like an actor starts becoming self-aware. That's when the confidence just drops off. So the solution is like, well, stop thinking about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Start thinking about the other person and everything becomes so much easier. Like suddenly you're not standing there going, Oh, how should I, how should I stand? Where should I put my hands? Because you're not thinking about (laughs) that. You're thinking about the other person. You're listening to the words you're saying. And the rest, your behavior just comes out of it naturally. Exactly. You just respond. Yeah. You just respond to it, and now you're completely out out of your head. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I find writing to be the same way too. Is like when you focus on like, is my writing good? Get you know, you're <laughs> you're in the you're in the wrong place. You need to be focusing on the story. What is the yeah. character trying to do? What's the problem? What are the circumstances? Focus on all that stuff. The writing will take care of itself. Yeah. You know, um, we used to do this exercise uh, in one of my earlier classes where, because I, I had some students say, but I don't know how to write dialogue. I don't, that was my phone, by the way. So everyone, <laughs> everyone just chill. It's not your phone. Um, <laughs> ring her up. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to turn the volume down on this thing too. Let's go. Okay. Um, but, um, anyway, uh, writing, writing. So people would say, but I'd write a script, but I don't know how to write dialogue. And I used to say, okay, let's just do this simple experiment. And it's like, it works pretty much like a hundred percent of the time. I mean, maybe every once in a while there'll be a a little bit of an error, but it's usually because someone missed something, but you could do this. You go, okay. Interrogation room. You're the cop. And you're the person who is being interrogated, okay? You killed your husband or you killed your wife, right? And you don't want them to know. And you have a great alibi, okay? Then the other person, you set them up, you say, you know they killed their wife or their husband. But you want them to believe that you know their alibi. But you want them to admit it by the end of this. Now write some dialogue. (laughs) You you wouldn't believe what people come yeah. up with. It's it's beautiful. Like this scene, and people write it differently all the time. They they create all sorts of things. Throw in a few different character elements. Throw in some little. You know, it's like making a soup. You know, you just throw in yeah. some things. All of a sudden, they're not thinking about the dialogue anymore. They're saying stuff to each other, and then boom. Now throw actors into that scene, and actors aren't trying to like. I'm gonna act the shit out of this. I'm just. You know, <laughs> and it's pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that comes out of nothing. You know, and like, I I think that 
that's, you know, you raise a good point. Like when we're so focused on, when we're so focused on ourselves and like being valuable and all that other stuff, whether this is good or not good, I mean, it's, yeah, we definitely get lost. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't serve you. It's not going to make you any better. No. Uh, it's a hard thing to overcome. It is, you know, because we we're constantly, and, and, you know, I know that sometimes I'll be writing and I'll be like, I don't know if this is any good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that, it, it'll pop, it pops in my head every now yeah. and then. Like it, it does. The thing is, this is like, don't, don't give it any more life than that. You know, like once you start thinking about it and focusing on it, you know, you give it, you give it more power. Yeah. And the thing is like, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's not any good. You know, that's what I always like. I'll say it's like, yeah, maybe it's not. Okay. So what is happening right now? Like yeah. what is happening that, and that's, and that's your glue that keeps it going, at least in, in storytelling or what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Or what, what is this story going towards? What is the story that I'm telling mm-hmm. and focus on that well, and then just write it. You know, another piece of advice I can say for writing, you know, um, is when I think that I'm doing a good job, I usually, I usually stop and I have to think because, <laughs> because I go, this is not good. If I think I'm doing a really great job right now, I'm clearly not connected because whether you think you're doing a good job or, or a terrible job is irrelevant. It just doesn't matter. Both don't matter. Actually, they're both just as detrimental. Like if you're writing something and you're like, this is so good. This is the best writing I've ever done you're probably writing something terrible and disconnected because the thing is, it's like, you know, there could, there can be like a, and I'm not talking about there's There can be kind of like an overcasting and maybe this just comes from writing experience, but there can be kind of an overcasting thing where you're like, I'm really fucking in this, but it's not like, it's not like you're gauging whether you're doing it good or not, but you can kind of almost look at yourself and you're like, wow, like there's a moment where you're like, whoa, I'm so focused. But if you're focused on being focused, you know, it's almost like, you're, I don't know if, I don't know if this is easy to follow or not, but you're, you're disconnected. Like when, when I'm in the zone, when I'm writing, I find that it's like, I'm time just flies by and you write something and it's done. And you know what? Sometimes it's, 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 it's not going to be your best stuff. I mean, I always think of rewriting as like, I'm going to rewrite this anyway, you know? Um, and I always think about it that way. And then every once in a while, there's something you write and then you read it later and you plan to rewrite it and you're like, well, maybe I won't rewrite this. You know what I mean? Because, and that's the thing is if you look at everything, like I'm just going to rewrite this anyway, then you don't put so much pressure on yourself, whether it's good or bad right now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, but I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, there's been times when I've finished writing something and, and I'm like, you know, I think that was pretty good, but that comes out of a, a sense of, you know, it's like, I'm not like in the middle of writing it and being like, yeah, this is great. Oh my God. (laughs) And then this, this happens. This, you know, sometimes it happens when, I almost go for a ride. It, it, it almost takes me on a ride. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I suddenly get so engaged in the scene that I'm writing. Like, I feel like I'm watching it happen, you know, in, in a lot of ways and that I'm just translating it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I love when that happens mm-hmm. and that's when I, I know I've hit some kind of a zone, but with that said, I don't hold it so high that I'm like, this scene is perfect. I know I don't have to do anything with it yeah. later on. No, no, no. Nothing is ever off the table for re-edits. Mm. You know, like 
that doesn't mean that there isn't something that was really great that you did in this one particular thing that you, you wrote or what have you. But, like, there might be a really great essence of something that you've created, something truly powerful in it. That doesn't mean that there's not things that, you know, you should maybe change in it <laughs> or yeah. could be changed. So don't, don't write something off because you think it's already, it's already perfect, mm -hmm. you know, cause then you're just missing out on what another opportunity you, you might be missing out on an, on another piece of inspiration, you know, like there was something that inspired that definitely, but there might be more inspiration to be found in it upon re-examining it. Well, I think, you know, one thing I'm, I've been realizing more and more with art is that if you go for art for completion, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like you're doing it backwards. It doesn't work that way. You, you gotta do, you gotta do it like almost like when you send your script off and, and you know, like, I don't know when people get to the point, if they want to write and they get to the point where you're going to start sending your script off to who's ever going to gauge whether they're going to move forward with the draft or not. You want to go forward with the best thing that you can do at the moment, yeah. right? But like the immediately, the moment you send it, <laughs> you should almost be like, hold on, I got another rewrite. I got another one to give you. Yeah. Because like the moment you send it, there's something about like once it's done. And, but, but I'm not talking about when you write your first draft and you're like so excited for everyone to read it and you haven't thought about it. I'm talking about something you've worked and worked and worked and worked and then you send it off. And then you realize like the moment you send it off, there's still more work to do. And there's just a certain point where you have to have the confidence to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what I'm putting forward. But you know, it's like acting like at a certain point, you got to step up on stage. You got to do your thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's, it, if you ever look at it, like I can, I completed it. I did it. I finished it. It's, it's perfect. It, I, I don't know. I just, I, I I think that there's something that, that, that has gone astray because it's, you know, I don't know, if, if, another example, I was talking to another screenwriter in my course and I was talking about how like, you know, they read one of my scripts, they read actually the latest draft of the burning blues and they, and they said, you know, they were like, yeah, that script's so good. And I'm glad you gave me this example or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, <clears throat> you know, that, that script, when I wrote the first draft, there's only one scene in that script that was in the first draft that I wrote. I rewrote the entire script and I'm actually thinking about almost doing a lot of rewrites in it again. And I might even rewrite the whole thing. And they were like, wow, they couldn't believe it. And I said, the thing is, is that I'm willing to do that, which is why I'm a working screenwriter. Cause I don't care if, if, if it's good, I'm willing to rewrite the entire thing. If I know it'll make it better. I just, to yeah. me, that's how I look at it. Nothing is ever complete and everything is subject to change until yeah. they finally get to the thing. Okay, we're, we're filming this thing or we filmed it or whatever, or it's printed and it's on the final movie. Like, you know, the, like the thing is, if you look at it like completion, it's like, I don't, I, I, I just don't, it's not, that's not our job. Our yeah. job as writers, at least I know this from being a writer, our job is to be able to, 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 to make it the best it can be. Yeah. I mean, if you want that, I don't yeah, know. I mean, as truthful and as compelling as you can possibly make it. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to bring up there, I, one of my champions, Daniel Day Lewis, uh, of acting, he did this, uh, I, I read this terrific interview with him and he was, <laughs> He, he was sort of begrudging, he was bemoaning a certain aspect of the industry about doing movies and why he doesn't do them very often. He's like, well, 
And I think he actually has it written in a lot of his clauses that he doesn't have to participate in this. But he says there's always these press kits that, you know, they'll, they'll be these people from different publications, you know, or, or there's, they've brought in a crew to do behind the scenes stuff and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you're on set, you just came off from finishing a scene or whatever, and they want you to sit down in a chair in front of a camera and there's someone in an interview and they, and they ask you stuff like, oh, tell us about, um, you know, tell us about your process. And I thought this was so interesting. He said, I can't answer that because I'm in the middle of the fricking process. Mm-hmm. Like when he's on set, he's already shooting. Mm-hmm. It's not finished. Mm-hmm. Like he, and he, and he doesn't see it as being finished. He doesn't have like, this isn't already figured out. It's as figured out as, as best as he has it. Right. You know, he's done his work, but he's in the middle of it. Yeah. You know, he could be in, in the middle of shooting a scene and discover something about his character that he that he didn't already know, you know, something that didn't come up for him that just is changes everything. Yeah. You know, I know that experience. You know, it happens in rehearsals and it does happen on set or when you're in production. You go, wow, I discovered. I feel like I discovered this line for the first time. Like I really understood what what this meant, hmm. you know, and I love when those moments happen. Yeah. You know, you're just like, whoa, like this whole time, like I, I thought it, but there was so much more behind this than I ever thought. And now I, it's just, and it just deepens it and deepens it. And it goes on until, until somebody else basically says we're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how long your process is. It doesn't stop well, it's until... Like- like it's over. Like it's actually someone else has either said we're wrapped or, you know, we're, we've finished it's edit. It's already hit, hit theaters or you're running in the, in, if you're doing a play is over, whatever. Right. It, it never ends. Yeah. You know, it's almost like taking a kid aside after he's been playing imagination games with his friends on the, in the park and try to get him to explain what they did. You know, and say, why don't you break down the process of your imagination and how you played the cop and yeah. what you did, you know, and then the kid would be trying to figure out, well, like, you know, all this stuff. And I mean, yeah, okay, maybe the, the, the kid was kind of just playing the game for fun. But in a sense, like, when I think we overanalyze art, like, in a certain way. Like, we, we try to break it down and understand it so we can do it so much yeah. that we basically, like, murder it, you know? It's like... Like, you know, you can learn all the writing tools, you can learn all the literary concepts and all that stuff, and all that's really great. But when it comes down to actually doing it, you kind of do it without even realizing you're doing yeah. it a lot of the time. It's like, know? I didn't, I, yeah, it's like, oh, how did you do that when this, you know, in this moment? It's like, I don't really know how I did that. You yeah. know, I remember what I was doing. You know, I remember <laughs> what I was there for. Yeah. And then the rest happened. And, but I think, you know, it's this interesting thing because I, 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 the whole subject of, and maybe this is, this is a good topic for us one time, but ah, who knows? It's, it's <laughs> not so serious Sunday. We can talk about whatever we want, but this whole thing about, um, I, I find that the relationship between art and intellectuality is very interesting, or you could say academia perhaps if that suits somebody better, (laughs) but this whole thing where it's like, oftentimes 
you know, people try, they do exactly that. They look at the creative process. They look at the, at the artistic and an artistic medium. And yeah, they try and dissect it, break it down and go, okay, how was this done? How was this done? And you can get an interesting, you know, you can see some interesting things out of it, but in terms of actual creation, I find that intellectuality oftentimes has very little to do with it. You know, it can be a very interesting thing to, to do that, to dissect it. But in terms of actually being a participant and actually being part of the creation, intellectuality, and, and maybe that's where part of some of like craft stuff comes into play. But, you know, I've said this so many times, and I'm going to keep saying this, I'm sure until the day that I die, but it doesn't come before. It doesn't come first. The thing that comes first is, is this almost this mysterious creative process, this, this thing of telling the truth, you know, whatever that truth is inside you about whatever it is that you're trying to say and just trying to as honestly communicate that as possible. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what has to come first. Yeah. And then the rest, the rest again, window dressing, you know, it can help and it can guide, it can in and show you some interesting things that you might not have, have conceived of before, but it's not the place where you start. Right. You know, it, I, I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, I just pulled out a book here, which, um, we, we went through when I was in university called film art, which I actually recommend. I think it's a good read, mm -hmm. especially if you want to understand film more, but all the stuff that they break down is, it's kind of a, it's a product of a lot of filmmaking discoveries. And, um, you know, I think when you, when you're, when you're breaking down a scene, when you're looking at like, you know, how do I cover this thing or how do I cover what's happening? I think it, it, the best directors, I don't know. I mean, I've only worked with so many, I haven't worked with the best, but I think a lot of the time, you know, it's like when you, when you, when you feel the scene, when you have kind of a sense for the scene, the shots kind of, you know, what you want to do kind of, you know, inform it, you know, there's different types of filmmaking and stuff where you can kind of pre-plan and, and have these ideas of what you want to do, right? But there's, there's like ideas where, you know, if you're, if you're trying to like, okay, well, I'm going to do this technique right now, you know, the technique, like, I, like, I think of it like this, if you understand, if you're like a, a very skilled, experienced filmmaker, you have a whole bunch of skills. You know, like pull focus, rack focus, whatever, yeah. move the camera, dolly it, track it, crane it, whatever you want to do, right? Um, I mean, I could just diegetic sound, non-diegetic sound, you know, as an editor, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You have all these ideas, right? But these are tools that you pull out that you already have. They're not tools that you're like, okay, I'm going to look through my book and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go do this tool. Like, I think like, Often really the best filmmakers are people who go out with a camera and they go and they try stuff and they see how it works yeah. without doing it on their camera. They practice. They don't come to set and try it for the very first time on the movie, you know, and if they're doing it, like it's, I mean, it's one of those almost like crazy shots and, and, and they, it's something that isn't necessarily inspired by like the performance or whatever. There's this video right now. It's called, uh, 
not film school. I think they, they put this video out. Okay. I posted it up on uh, Cook.Motion Pictures um, fan page on Facebook if people yeah. want to look at it. Anyway, they can scroll down to, I don't know, what is it, February uh, 20... 28th. 28th. Okay, so I posted, on, I posted on the 27th to the 26th, 2016. So if anyone hears this and they want to go look at it, they can go look at it. It's probably still going to be up. But it breaks down how filmmaking enhances acting performances. And how ah. basically um, it's not just the performance, it's, it's a lot of the way that the filmmakers you know, did it. But the thing is, is, if you think about it, one inspires the other. Like if you're, yeah. if, you know, if you're, if you're kind of like trying to almost think it out, you can think it out, but there's a certain part where you kind of got to, you got to try on the experience of it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think like, I mean, there's, okay, well, let's, I'll go through a couple examples. One is, there's one with Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, and he's riding on the horse. And he's riding on the horse, and they were talking about how, like, there, there's a certain amount of, this is actually going on, which helps the acting performance. There's actually a certain amount of, like, the way it's being filmed, there's this kind of, you know, it's, 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 it's really happening right now. There's another scene where it's uh, Christian Bale, and he's, um, He's breaking down all the numbers in uh, the big short. And it keeps cutting between him and all these images. It's an editing technique. And if you were to literally just watch Christian Bale think about it and say the things he's saying, it would probably be a pretty boring scene. But because the editing overlapped with it right. really enhances the performance, it actually adds this kind of obsessiveness. And they actually do a great job at demonstrating it. Yeah. So my point is, is that these things are not... They're almost things that you kind of have to almost deal with as they come up in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's also in service of, of communicating the vision of something, communicating the, the concept, communicating what, what the, what the idea is that these filmmakers are trying to do. I mean, filmmaking is, I've often heard as being, it's people describe it as trying to capture lightning in a bottle. Hmm. And it is. And everybody's working to do that. Mm -hmm. Everyone's working together to create that lightning and then the camera's just the bottle. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's just like, we got it. Like, got it's it. great. And it's not that any one is better than the other, but each one can lend a hand to the other. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, you know, I think, um, I, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Like, you know, <clears throat> there's, art is this interesting thing because there's, there's certain demands we have on it, right? Like one thing is, is that, whatever you're doing artistically, you got to get it done. You know, there's a certain amount of like real world pressure, you know, uh, if you take forever to complete something, then there's a problem with that. There's a certain amount of like, you know, you could, you could be shooting something, you could have prepped for it for months, then you shoot it for a few days and then you could be editing it for the next few months and like all these other things. Right. So like, you know, um, in a sense, like the actual production, the actual capturing of what's going on, there's, you know, it's, it's very short, it's very brief, it's whatever. And, uh, you know, I remember working on a film with a bunch of student filmmakers and they were saying like production, like that's what we've all been waiting for. And I remember thinking like, there's something off about that. Like to, you know, yeah. Okay. You got to perform here in production. Yeah. You're like kind of like on the stage here right now, but, but it's that mentality. I think it's a youthful inexperienced mentality where it's like, if you've really done your preparation, you're not worried about when you're on stage. 
you know, you're just going to walk out on stage and you're going to talk, you know, if you're an actor, I know that. And if you're a filmmaker and you've done your preparation and you've figured your stuff out, you, you know, you're going to come in with a certain understanding. Like my mentors always told me, read that script. And when you think you've read it enough, like when you think you've read it too much, read it again and then read it once more just because, because if you don't, if you cannot answer every single question, if you have not worked it all out in your head and figured it out and questioned and talked about it, and then, and then you're going to show up, and this is what they say, then you're going to show up and you know what? Immediately, someone is going to think of something you didn't think of. And that, that is what, then you know, like when you thought you've thought of everything and you're not, you don't even have a iota of doubt in your mind at that point. You're like, you, you're sure you got it. And at that point, then you realize the expansiveness of this craft. You realize that no matter how much work you do, and you need to do all your work, that you are just one little person. Even if you're the director or whatever, you're one, like, or whatever. I mean, everybody's an important role. But even if you're this, the lead actor, it doesn't matter. You're just one little person in this whole process. And no matter how much you've worked out, there's, there's this whole whole thing happening, right? And now you're in the storm of it and you just do what you got to do as much as you can, you know? And, you know, it's like being in a tornado in a sense, you know, like, and if you, you know, like, uh, what was it? Uh, the Garden State, um, what's his name? Who, who? Oh, Zach Braff. Zach Braff, you know, and that movie was great. But he said, you know, if I didn't surround myself with the people I surround myself with, you know, it wouldn't have happened. And I think, you know, he, he's a smart guy. I mean, he, he realized, like, you surround yourself with the best people because that's how you get something done. You know, that's, that's, the thing is, is that I think the youthful, inexperienced filmmaker, and I know I've done this myself, you know, to some degree, thinks that they have more responsibility over everything than they do. But I think the wiser, uh, filmmakers, the wiser, you know, film technicians realize that, Hey, this is, this is everybody's involved in this. But, but the immaturity is to say that I'm just going to do my, my job really well. And, and hopefully everyone else does their job. Well, yeah. A a very, like someone who cares about the project goes, I'm going to do my job really well. And I'm going to check in with other people. I'm going to try to help make sure that my job helps them do their job better because I realize the interdependence of this whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you look at how many of like great directors that are out there and they have, they continually work with like the same DOP, Mm -hmm. you know, they continually work with the same actors. They continually, you know, they, they work with the same people because, you know, they, they, and that's not just for no reason, you know, it's not just because it's like, oh, we're all just buddies, let's just do it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure everybody's friends, but everyone, they found people who they have a level of respect for and people who they know they can count on mm-hmm. to to do what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul Thomas Anderson or something like that works with, you know, the same same DOPs or, or whatever because they know, and I think, I mean, I can't say this for sure, but... I'm guessing that it's like, well, I don't necessarily have to worry about that so much. Like, I know they will work with me if I want something specific, but I know if I'm in the middle of working and directing with the actors on set, that they're going to make, like, they're going to take care of what they're taking care of and it's going to look great. Hmm. 
I don't have to worry about that as much, right? Like, it's mm-hmm. just saying, like, okay, this is not all on me to do because they might come up with something far better than I could have ever thought of. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's a lot like... Um it's a lot like production's a little bit like going to war in a way, right? Like it's, uh, <laughs> it is because, um, you know, especially when you're one of the top, you know, above the line leader positions, um, because you're dealing with a lot, you know, you're dealing with a lot of stuff and you're dealing with problems that occur. You're dealing with, you know, onset disputes. You're dealing with, um, temperamental actors. Sometimes you're dealing with a lot of things, right? And so, if you have people that have your back, if you have people that are kind of like, that got things covered, it's, it's another thing not to worry about. It gives you more, more room to free up. I mean, um, you know, I worked with one DOP and he, he was like, he was one of those guys where I could like, we worked, we, we kind of figured out our shooting style. And then once we had that, I could really trust them. I could kind of go off and I could, you know, and, and like, uh, I could, I could just trust that he would shoot the way I need to shoot. And he had an eye for the same way I had an eye for framing up the shots and it really worked. It looked really great, you know, and, and everything he did. And then at one point we had another director on board and I was producing and I, I talked to him aside and I said, you know, I want to keep a certain consistency. He says, don't worry, we're going to keep the same shooting style. I'm shooting it exactly the same way. He's directing this thing, but don't worry, we got that down. And sure enough, I sat behind the monitor and I was like, yeah, he did it. And there's like a certain amount of like appreciation I had for that because, you know, there's, uh, and, and also he went aside and I remember I said, you know, what I want to do is I want to get a feeling across. And instead of him going, okay, you know, talking to all his tech, tech guys and saying, listen, I want the light in that corner and the light. I've worked with a DOP like that. It's hell. But this, this DOP took everyone aside and I watched him do it. I I got to stand back as the director and he said, I'm going to take care of this. And he goes, I want to create this feeling. And he told everyone this kind of a similar conversation we had. And he said, so I want to get this hue in over here and I kind of want to keep a contrast going and blah, blah, blah. And we were like, and then we lit it and I was like, this is beautiful. And like to have a guy who's really taking charge as a leader and not doing it, like doing it in a way where people understood why, you yeah. know what I mean? And the thing that I love about that story that you're just saying is, you know, it, again, it, it's illustrates this point that we're, that we're trying to make that there's something else that fuels all of this craft and all of this technical stuff. That stuff doesn't come first. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we're trying to create this feeling. This is what we want, what we want people to pick up on. This is what we want to communicate so now that we know that, I'm thinking that we do this and we do this and we do that. Mm-hmm. Now we have the technical speak. This is just like, okay, so how are we going to achieve that? Technically. Right? Exactly. Technically. Yeah. Right? But it starts from this other thing. It's not just like, okay, well, let's do this and this and this and whatever. It's like it comes from somewhere else first. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not going to name names. Um, but, uh, you know, if anyone ever wants a DOP referral, I will totally refer this person, but another DOP I worked with just I, I'm just going to leave it for this for the time being. But, um, although I'd like to give him tribute, I just think it's probably better at this point. But anyway, um, I worked with another DOP who I had a, not a great experience with when I was producing and this guy was super technical and he did not get the whole emotional idea of it. And, 
I watched him just basically be a dictator to the entire crew and tell them to do this and do this and kind of get mad at people when they messed up. But none of the crew understood what he was trying to achieve. No one was on board. No one was enrolled in the vision. And it was a painful experience because he was also very domineering and like kind of like, let me do my job kind of thing. And it's like, it's not like this is your job. This is all of our job, you know? Yeah. Like we're like, you know, we got the, and the director came to me as the producer and was like, I don't feel like I can tell him what I want. Can you tell him? And and then I would go and talk to him and then he would be like, well, let me hear it from the director. And it's like, okay, listen, we're all here. Like, and I, like, I, like, you know, every once in a while, you know, on set, you have these chaotic experiences and, yeah. you, and you, and you sometimes in the middle of it realize I'm never going to work with this person again. But let's <laughs> deal with this while we're in it. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I realized that experience, I was like, you know, this is one of those experiences where you, you really realize that we are really all in this together. And when people try to be domineering and try to be like, I'm the show, I'm the leader, it's not leadership. It's actually like, it's very destructive. And so it's, it's better if everybody goes and understands, because if people and just like, I don't know, I remember being a kid and I used to ask my teachers, Why? you know, why, why, why? I want to know why, why do you want me to do this thing? Or why, why, why? And sometimes they wouldn't answer, but the best teachers I ever had would answer why. And once I knew why, I mean, I was an ace, but the thing is, is like most people, some people will just follow rules. They'll just do it because they're told because they're like, yeah, you know what? I don't want to get in trouble, but I would bet they're not doing it with their heart. But people who know why, when we know why and we get it and we, we get that, we go, yeah, okay, I get why I'm doing this. I know, I know what's behind it. I know the reasoning between, between why they want me to get up in this corner and tape this light to the wall or whatever I'm doing here. It's like, you know what your purpose is. You, yeah. you get the yeah. sense that's going on and you feel like you're a part of that. Because, you know, when the DOP wins the award as the best cinematographer, it's like, to say that you did it all yourself, I mean, like, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's very arrogant. Unless you set up every light on your own and did all that stuff, you didn't do it on your own. Even if no one knew what you were doing, you still didn't do it on your own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even as a director, like, you know, if, if you win a directing award, which I have, you know, like best director, it's like, thank my crew. I mean, thank my crew. Like I had a vision and they achieved it technically. That's what you're seeing. You know, but you're rewarding me. So really like they, they don't give out their award to everybody else. You know, yeah. everyone doesn't get to take that home. But you know what? I think technical jobs, technical jobs don't always get rewarded because it, you know, the mind is obviously more valuable ultimately than what the body can do. Yeah. But for anyone with a mind who, who does anything, you have to realize that there is a physical world and that we're all in this together. And I think that crews that get thanked by the director want to work with that director forever because you realize that, you know, they're not doing the job to get the award, but, yeah. but the appreciation that the award, that they feel, Hey, I, I had some part of this. Yeah. And it goes a long way. Uh, yeah. And I mean, but I was going to say in, in, as a little side note to that. Sure. I mean, there's it, there's a double edged sword to it. Okay. Because if it goes south, mm. it's, it's so funny you bring that up. Yeah, it's the it's the director who's gonna take who's gonna take the heat for it. Well, that's the you know that's what you get for taking a leadership position. Yeah, you but know, I mean, uh, so it's like they they get the praise, but they also get the blame, and the crew is kind of safe from that 
in yeah, a lot get, of ways they get insulated as, as well. That. They're insulated yeah. from that. So it's, it's interesting in that respect. Well, I think also like, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that, that is why the crew doesn't necessarily get the award because they didn't take the risk, you know, with great risk, great reward. Um, there is someone was just telling me this today about, uh, Kennedy, right. And how the CIA was telling them all these lies about Cuba and whatever, um, trying to create a war essentially so they could get right. their agenda done because they're their own government at the time, essentially. Oh, wow. And so there's a the Bay of Pigs or yeah. whatever that happened. Yeah. And, uh, and Kennedy, uh, took the brunt of that. And what's he going to say? The, the CIA lied to me. They didn't tell me the truth, blah, 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 whatever. And he said a quote, which was that, um, there's a, I'm going to probably say it incorrectly, but it's something like there's a thousand, there's a thousand Kings or something like that, or there's a, th- a thousand leaders or whatever, something, some term like that when you win, but there's only, but you're, Oh no, that's it. You're, uh, it's, there's a thousand fathers when you're, when you're win, but you're an orphan when you lose or something like that. <laughs> and it's true because I mean, the thing is, is when you lose, when things don't go right and you're at the, and you're at the top, you take all the brunt and everybody blames you. But when things go right, everybody wants a piece of it. Everybody wants to say, I was there too. I did it as well. And I think that, you know, if you're going to take a leadership position, yeah, you know, you get the chance to win that award. But, you know, we don't always talk about, we don't always talk about, like we see the Oscars, we're talking about the Oscars, we're talking about the best, we're talking about successes. But every once in a while, there's some like, you know, like Halle Berry does like Catwoman. <laughs> but she received a Razzie for and it. she received a Razzie. And I think she showed up for and it she, too. Yeah, and she honored it, right? Good for her. But the thing is, is that it's not like it's her fault. I mean, there's a whole crew that went into that. There's a whole thing that went into that, right? Yeah. And like people can blame her and say, oh, well, you chose a bad script and blah, 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 and whatever. I mean, you know, like, like, sh- like, but she's wearing the whole thing on her shoulders because she won the Oscar like a year or two before yeah. or whatever. You know, and so it's like, I mean, that's, that's the thing when you, when you lead something, you you know, and I I think we, we like to always imagine that it'll always work out positive, but sometimes it goes the other way. And I think when you, that's why it's a problem to worry about praise or worry like, like whether you win the award or lose, if you make that mean anything, it's both false because like, uh, if you make the award mean everything, that means equally you'd make the loss mean everything. You know what I mean? If you, if you totally like, if people blame you as the responsibility for the film, like you, if you say like, if I win the award and the film's a total success, then I take credit for it. Or if the film's a total failure, people will go like, Oh, well the film didn't work out. Why don't you do the same thing? You know, I'm, I'm the reason that it failed because both are not true. Neither's true. Yeah. You know, everybody was involved and, you know, actually, if you look at film history, right, uh, they realized actually that early on when films were made, they realized that audiences were more attached to actors they could recognize than actors who they couldn't. So that's how the whole Star Wars Born idea, right? So actors kind of became this thing where we look at them and we recognize them and we feel this familiarity and this family-esque kind of friendship with them, even though we don't know them. Um, whereas we don't see the directors and we don't see the writers and we don't see the, you know, the, the, like, that's why most people don't know who the production manager is or the DOP is for right. a lot of films because we don't see them and we haven't built a relationship with them in our own heads. Right. But with the actor, cause we see Leonardo DiCaprio on, 
and we see him do emotional stuff, we get this bond with him, which we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know, but we do that, right? So, like, we put more pressure on certain roles as though they mean more. Not to say that they don't, but, like, not to say that they don't mean something, but the thing is, is we just value things higher than others, and sometimes they're not really accurate. I, they don't, I'm trying they to don't raise a point. Yeah, here. no, no, no. They don't. They don't show the the whole picture. They don't show the whole picture. Pun intended. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just think it's important. You know, I, I, we've been focused a lot on acting for this one, but even writing. I mean, you could take it wherever you want. But if you look at it as like, if you put all the weight on your shoulders, that's a lot of pressure. You know, I think the key ultimately is surround yourself with the best people possible, and hopefully the best people possible can be enrolled in the same vision you want to be enrolled in. Yeah. I was going to say like, that's, that's kind of the key thing. You just sort of stole my foot. <laughs> did I? So I you didn't didn't even sti- know. No, no, no. You didn't steal it, but it was just like, we were on the same, same thoughts. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, and that everybody is, is invited into that vision. Mm-hmm. That everybody is working together to achieve that. It's not just one person who's just like off, on their own trying to make this whole thing happen on their, on their shoulders. It's like, it doesn't need to be that way. Bring people in, mm-hmm. bring people into your idea. Well, you know, what's a really funny thing about like, for example, on the producing side of things is that people don't realize that money raising and financing is a lot, like a lot of times, like, okay, there's a certain, there's financers that ultimately have certain reasons for getting involved in something. But a lot of the time people want to be included in the whole story. They want to be included in, in what this whole thing is about. Even if they don't really have any necessarily like power over the creative, uh, delivery of it. Yeah. But, um, you know, people will invest into movies because they're enrolled in the idea of getting the movie made. And I think like people don't always realize that, like, if, if people believe in something, they're usually willing to get involved somehow to help somehow. I mean, it's, it's a funny thing. I mean, I, I think that we don't realize that (laughs) we don't realize that there's all this power that we have in our hands. And if we stop trying to do everything ourselves and we start to like reach out and share a little like, and, and include others and appreciate them, like they will help us. Like, I mean, if, if, if someone helps you, right, let's say someone helps you, right, and you get a really great reward for it, and then you go up on stage and you say, I did it, and you don't mention them. Well, they helped you that time, but you used them because they helped you and you never yeah. recognized it. And I think sometimes we have a little bit of a culture that's like that, and you see it in small ways. You see it in education a lot, right? Like, I noticed that, whereas you'll see people who will get something, they'll learn something that really shifted them. And then they'll go and they'll, they won't recognize that they learned it somewhere. You know what I mean? And when we claim that we did stuff on our own, we, we, we actually kind of dismiss everybody that helped us along the way. And like when you make a great film, it's not just the people who are, say, on set with you. It's everybody before you who helped you to make that film as well. I mean, if you're not, if you, you know, in a, in a sense, you're, you know, when you win an award, like Marlon Brando's speech um, for his first one, which I think was on the waterfront, I guess. He said, uh, never, he's like, I'm so grateful. Never have I 
gotten a word where so many people were involved to help me basically do this. I thought it was the best speech ever because it was the most truthful because so many people participated in helping him win the award. And then we see his performance and we go, that's absolutely brilliant. But I think what he had a recognition was that there were so many people that played a part in allowing that to be possible. Yeah. You know, and like, I mean, that's one of the greatest actors of our time. You know what I mean? And I, I, I think that that's almost how, you know, if you look at it that way, I mean, he didn't even show up for his Oscar for The Godfather because I think he realizes, and you know, I think he realized, I don't know him, but I've read a lot of stuff about him, but I think he realized that the Oscar is not about him. You know, it's, it's about so much more, you know, and, uh, and it was very controversial at the time, but he got a native woman to come up and talk and have yeah. a speech. Right. And, and uh, anyway, I think that he looked at that as like, you know, that's what he wanted to be heard, but he didn't make it about him. He made it about something that he cared about. Mm-hmm. But like, just think about that. Arguably one of the greatest actors of our time. And he made a speech about something he cared about, not himself. That I think if there's a lesson, that's the lesson. That's integrity. Yeah. You know, that, like, what, what, like, we, you know, as artists, especially as actors, and especially in the media, right? I mean, in, in film, I mean, we, we have probably, arguably, some of the most powerful voices in the world right now, you know? And so if we, if we go up on stage and we say, me, 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 I'm so great, we teach everyone else, me, 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 I'm so great, and that's the world we, we're teaching, right? But if we go up on stage and we talk about, this is what I care about. This is what I think is important. You know, this is what matters. And we don't, we don't treat it like we're special, but we treat it like this is an opportunity for people to hear what I care about, you know, and what I think is important. And these things I think are important because of this, this, and this, it removes you a little bit. You you still have the connection to it, but I don't know. That That's kind of like, that's one of the reasons why I like him so much. And I think that like, really, if, if we understand that now before we become something like that, not to say whatever, it doesn't matter if you become that or not, but if you realize that now in these stages, it's not so important to be recognized for who you are. I mean, there's lots of people that will probably recognize you right now if you do something that's emotionally moving for them. You don't have to be on the stage, yeah. you know, on the Oscar stage to do that. Like, you could do, you could just work on your craft and you could do a performance that people have an emotional effect. They're emotionally affected by in class. And like, you know, just cause everybody else in the world didn't see it doesn't mean that it didn't happen, you know? Yeah. And I, in some ways it, it makes it almost more special, mm-hmm. you know, which is also one of the things I've always continued to love about, you know, theater, you know, it's every single performance is, is unique. Like no one will ever be exactly the same. And you might see something absolutely just the most incredibly cathartic thing that you've ever witnessed. And it's like, it it happened that once, you know, it will never happen again that way, Mm -hmm. which is one of the profound things. But does that, does it make it less significant because, you know, it was in front of an audience of a dozen people? Mm -hmm. No. Not in the slightest. No. You know, it's, uh, you know, we come back to this with artistic integrity. We come back to this thought a lot, um, but about truth. And, you know, when your truth 
Um, actually, Brie Larson, I'll just jump in thoughts here, but Brie Larson was talking about before her, before she, um, I guess she won, she won an award for, um, The Room, or Room, yeah, Room, and, uh, she had a five-minute talk, it's kind of circling YouTube at the moment, but she was talking about how there's a little boy that she was working with, and they were asking her about her performance and all this other stuff, and she said, well, I'm, I just thought about him the whole time. She was like, I was just thinking about, you know, how to make sure he was okay and, and whatever. And, you know, her her whole thing was great because it really, like, to me, when I watched that, to me it was not a, it wasn't an actor worrying about themselves. It was like a real mother concerned about her kid, you know? And it was, you know, and I think that's really, like, a lot of what this is about. It's, it's, if we take the focus off ourselves and we make it about what we care about and what we're interested in, you know, a lot of stuff takes care of itself. Um, you know, I, 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 there's not many times where thinking about yourself really helps you that much, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> at least on certain levels, you know, but, um, well, I yeah. mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but when it comes to art, right? Like when it comes to, I don't know, I mean, maybe, Maybe maybe I'm not understanding this entirely. We're we're trying to venture into it all. Yeah, no, we are. We, that's all we do. I mean, that's we explore we ideas. Do. We can't say anything. I don't know if I have the answer. We, yeah, exactly. We can't say anything for certain, really. You know, just just our experience of things and and what those experiences have told us. You know, which will probably be changed, maybe in subtle, maybe in dramatic ways, but. I, I'm not going to disagree with you. The more I find that people can take the attention off of themselves, uh, I mean, creatively and in artistic fields, the more truthful I feel that you're able to communicate. And in terms of life, you know, the more that the the less you kind of think about yourself, typically, the more happy and joyous you are in your life. So there's some sort of there's some sort of a truth about that about taking the attention off of, of, of yourself and, and what's happening in your life and what does that all mean that this is all happening and, you know, that it can become this endless cycle of, you know, a lot of, a lot of illusions and, you know, false perceptions about things. It's like, well, what if you just take the attention off of you and put it outward, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think there's a lot of, joy and compassion to be found in that, in that space. I think that's a space where a lot of, you know, the sort of people who've achieved an enlightenment are, that's kind of the state that they're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's in art and life, you know, art, (laughs) they, they, they imitate each other. Yeah, they do. Like completely. They do imitate each other. Art imitates life and life imitates art. You know, people who are you know, have you ever met people who are just like walking, you know, quotes and impressions of, <laughs> you know, films and TV shows and and books that they've read and whatever, right? Like it's just we're we're it's it's all it's all part of the same thing. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the comparison, like comparing yourself and stuff like that. I mean you know, and trying to get some type of self-identity or trying to figure out who you are or your value or whatever. I mean, all of that stuff is, 
I mean, I think we get caught up to it, caught up with it in a culture, but it's all kind of irrelevant. I mean, when you see someone doing something that they're really involved in, they're really interested in, they really care about, I mean, you kind of, you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of a, almost like an engagement that goes, that goes in with that, you know? And I think that that's really what we got to try to do. I mean, with anything we're doing, you know, okay, well, I had this realization, um, over the last few weeks, because uh, I was confronted with that. I take on a lot of different tasks, you know, a lot of different things, and I, I came into a bit of a, can I manage doing all this stuff, or should I cut back and stop doing certain things and give a few things up so that I can focus fully on some other things? Right. Because what I realized was I'm most successful when I'm 100% focused on things. And so I realized, like, well, a friend pointed out to me, they said, you know, you you want to schedule in whatever you're doing, but do it a hundred percent, whatever you're scheduling in. And this was something you and I kind of talked about, but like these podcasts, for example, while we're here, like I'm a hundred percent here and we're doing it and whatever. And for the most part, the podcast gets done. Things move forward. We're done it. We move on. Life goes on, right? Whether it's good or not. Yeah. We don't know. (laughs) but We're doing it right. And so, if, you know, if I was sitting here having a conversation with you thinking about what I have to do later, you know, it's going to be a disconnected conversation. It's probably not going to work out so well. And so what I realized was that it wasn't that necessarily that I had to give everything, give other things up, but that I had to block off time where I did things at 100%. Because um, doing anything at less than 100% is always doing it at a disservice. And getting caught up in how am I doing this thing is also a way to distract yourself from 100%. Just do the thing 100%. And then you can look at it after and see how you did. But if you're yeah. worried about if you're doing it good enough while you're doing it, like, you know, um, I, I don't know. Like, is this, am I am I speaking good enough right now, Evan? <laughs> <laughs> like, someone's on the other line probably going, yeah. well, his, I don't like his voice. It's like, well, whatever. You know what? Like, this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, in a certain sense, well, that's what you get because, you know, this is where I'm at. You know, and I think that's what, you know, preparation led you, led me to this point. And, you know, if it's not if it's not up to someone's standard, it's whatever. That's that's as far as I've done. Now I can always go and I can improve. right? But I think that we have to, until you do something 100%, you don't really know what you're made of. And you're, and you're, you have a disconnect to it. Yeah. I was going to say this... I, what you're saying reminds me of there's this um, a stage in uh, in in the Meisner work, which is such a beautiful illustration of that. Uh, we're basically uh, just to I'll try and put this as simply and as quickly as possible. So there's a scenario where basically you're there's a person who's you know in a room or like on set basically or on their stage, and they have a task to do. They basically like they have an objective. They have something that has that they have to do for some reason that they've created. Okay. Right? And somebody else comes in. Right? They show up and they're engaging with them. They've it doesn't necessarily matter. Sometimes they've had something that's also going on with them, whatever. But now there's this engagement, right? And in sort of our, our acting, our, our compulsion is like, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to them while I'm, I'm doing this. And the focus is like when, when I'm teaching it, it's like, 
It's like, don't you have something to do? Don't you have something to do? Because if you're sort of doing this and you're sort of dealing with them, you're not really doing either of them. Right. You're not really doing it. So it's either, and, and the fun thing that happens out of it is that people are, are, it's like, okay, well now you have to choose, right? But choose either way. No, no one is, is right there. But if you have this to get done, maybe that means that you have to stop this for a second and now a hundred percent give to the other person and tell them that they've got to go. They've got to get the hell out or deal, or you need to actually, you decide that whatever's happening with them Mm -hmm. is more important than whatever it is that you're doing. But either way, you've got to give it a hundred percent of your focus and your attention because otherwise you're not really doing it. Right. You're not, because how can you? No. If you're, and that goes again, that's like with your life, you're working on your script and you're sort of like typing a few things in and then you're on your phone, you're doing something else. Are you really writing? Yeah, there's words going up, but are you really actually engaged Mm -hmm. in what it is that you're doing? No, you're not. And if you're not actually really engaged with what you're doing, how can you say that, that that is all that it can be? How can you say that you've fully explored that thing? Mm-hmm. You can't. No. There's no way that you can say that. No, that's good, man. That's really good. I mean, it, it is so much about that. It is so much about being 100% engaged. And I mean, if you if you have lots to do in life, you don't have time to focus on yourself. You know, I think um, in the times that I've been depressed or when I've had friends or or others who I've experienced being depressed, they usually don't have an, they don't have anything to do. They don't have anything to focus on, or at least they don't think so. And they spend a lot of time focusing on themselves. And I know that when I get down, I usually focus a lot on myself and, you know, and it's kind of like this very foggy place you're in. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think like when I'm at my best, I'm doing something at a hundred percent. I'm not thinking about I'm not thinking about much else than just do this thing right now because I want to do this thing right now, you know? And I think, um, I don't know. I think that a lot of times that those, those feelings, like when you come up against that resistance or, or when you are in, in a depressed state and you're not actually, again, it's, I think it's a similar, it might be a similar thing where it's, you're not actually really engaged outwardly with that thing you're, you've become maybe more engaged with your attachments to that thing. It's Mm. like, Oh, I don't know if this is any good. Is anybody going to like this? Is anybody, all of this stuff that you have absolutely no control of. And that's what you become engaged with Mm -hmm. is all of this garbage around it, which is completely meaningless. And, and again, completely illusory. Yeah. Like it's not real. It's like the only thing that matters is you being engaged in this thing that you care about doing. Well, you know, I, I just had a realization. I mean, yeah, because when you're, well, when I'm depressed or when, at least in my experience with other people, when they're or feeling blue, feeling blue, right? <laughs> is that I don't feel I have a lot of power over anything. I don't feel I have a lot, like I feel powerless. Right. And so it makes sense that if you put all your weight on stuff you don't control, you're going to probably start to feel depressed. You know, that they talk about in LA, the boulevard of broken dreams. Oh know? yeah. And, and, you know, and you can kind of feel it, you know, when, when, you know, like when you're around there and, uh, I, you know, I lived there for a bit and, and, and talking to people who kind of just had these broken dreams and stuff, 
and like, and their dreams broken because it's all reliant on whether the industry accepted them or gave them success. There's no like, there's no like connection to their craft or like why they're doing what they're doing. And, um, I mean, I think we all slip into that every now and then, but yeah, if you, if you're focused on stuff that you don't control, I mean, it, it's probably going to start to get depressive after a while if things aren't going the right way, because one, you don't have any way to change it, you know? And, and two, you're basing your value on the fact is whether you get approval or not. And so if you stop getting approval, then it makes sense that you're going to compare your value to the lack of approval you're getting. And ergo, you feel down, you know? And so like, if you, if you find a certain kind of approval from just doing good work and feeling like, Hey, I'm involved. I'm creating something. I'm making something. I'm moving forward. Or looking at ways in which you could make what you want happen, you know, because I mean, it used to be, I mean, you used to have the argument where you could say, oh, well, you know, no one casts me, so I'm never going to be in a movie because movies are too expensive and like, I don't have money to shoot on 35 millimeter film. (laughs) Now you can film on just about anything. I mean, all you really have to do is you have to be a good storyteller. In fact, you don't even need lights for a lot of great movies. I mean, you know, I remember in, uh, they didn't use lights on the Revenant. I mean, they were shooting on a great camera. Yeah. But. No. They used bounce. That was, that was completely, that was, that was completely natural light. All otherwise. They, and they said the only thing that they used was bounce. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, I mean, bounce boards cost nothing. You could buy them. You can create them. You can make them. You can go and buy like probably white foam at a, at a dollar store and some, <laughs> yeah. and then a roll of tin foil mm-hmm. <laughs> and make your own bounce lights. So. You know, so the thing is, is that I think what happens though is people want to get these rewards um, without putting the work in, you know, because it takes work to learn how to write a story. It takes work to learn how to make a film. It takes work to, you know, learn how to build a team, to raise money, to do all this stuff. It takes some effort. It takes reaching out and going to like some experts who can teach you, but there's people out there like, there's people out there who can do it, who can teach you how to do all this stuff. And there's... You know, but the thing is, is like, it's like the whole free ride thing. Like if you, it's this confusion. Like if you want a free ride, nothing's free. You know, there's like, there's no free lunch, you know, like at some point you're going to have to pay for whatever, whatever it is. It's just, you know, it's like debt culture. You know, if you don't pay it in the front end, you're paying it on the back end and you're probably paying more. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, this is so much about figuring out what has meaning to you? What is meaningful, meaningful to you? Because it is, it is going to require work. You know, if you want to do this thing, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be a writer, you want to be a painter, you want to be a musician. So, but again, you better love the process. You better love the work in doing what you're doing. Don't love some sort of a result, which you've never even experienced, by the way. Yeah. Like, so you, that this, and you see so many of these stories of people who get that thing and then they just completely implode because it's not even what they thought it was going to be. It's not this, it's not all over at the end of it, you know, and there's still something that's left wanting mm-hmm. at the end of it all. So you better love the thing itself. And that might mean having to ask yourself a very hard question about whether you like, because the thing is like, 
if it really, if it does really mean something to you, then, then the work, you know, it might be, some of the work might be a little bit of annoy, a little bit of an annoyance, you know, like it, there might be some, doesn't mean that there's not going to be difficulty along the road, but the fact that it is so meaningful to you will help you through that. If it doesn't, you won't make it through. Mm-hmm. But like you said, like you're either going to pay for it up at the front end, or you're going to pay for it at the back end. And if you commit yourself to something that you actually don't care about, you, the thing that you cared about was some sort of thing of, of notoriety and glory and fame and fortune and all of this other external stuff that has pretty much nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. It has almost nothing to do with you. If that's what you're doing it for, then find something else because there is something that has, I feel like there's, there is something for everybody in this planet that is something that is meaningful to them, mm-hmm. you know, and head in that direction. You yeah. know, it'll probably take some, take some curves and some valleys and this and that, but head in that direction. But don't, don't chase something for some bullshit reason. Mm-hmm. Save yourself. Like it might be a little bit painful now, but save yourself a lot of time and energy right now, but being honest with yourself yeah, and saying like, yeah, you know what? I don't really want this. Yeah. Let it go. And let it, let go. it go and move on. Cause then from there you can go, okay, well, what do I really want? And you might, you know, by the willingness to let it go, you might actually find out you do want it, but you'll come back to it from a place which is really healthy. Like, yeah. You know, I, I, that's a great point. I can relate to this as like writing a script is like, you know, you write a script and you think, okay, I'm done now. I wrote my script and I, I redrafted it. Okay. I wrote my script. I wrote my script. It's done. It's ready to go. You know, in some ways you got to be like, okay, like I'm my turning point as a writer was, was with this burning blue script. That's when everything really turned for me. I was getting a bit of success before that, but this was the turning point. Cause when I said, I remember going and looking at the script and I had to do another rewrite and, uh, they wanted me to cut a bunch of pages and I was like looking at it and going, I don't know how to tell a story without these pages. And I, and I remember I just had this, I don't know where it came from. And I'm not sure what was influencing me at the time, but I remember realizing that I might need to rewrite the entire script. And once I had acceptance that I could let go of the script I had, I was suddenly free. And there's this whole thing about, whoa, I got to rewrite this whole script. I got to rewrite this whole script. But then I went and I rewrote it. And that was really the turning point because then I, once I let go of it, and I, and I was able to write something new, but I was able to write it. It's not like that work was done in vain. Like the thing I realized was nothing was ever done in vain. And once I had that realization, everything made sense in it in a way, because now it didn't matter what I did, even if what I did never got seen. Um, it, that served and made possible what I wrote next. And like, as we're, we're doing another rewrite and, uh, I've been, I've been asking myself the same question. Like, do I, am I willing to rewrite this whole thing? Cause you know, it's harder now. Cause now I've gotten, I mean, I've actually got real money behind this thing. I got real, <laughs> real 
real critique behind it, real things behind it now. And, and people have said, oh, you're a really good writer. You know? Yeah. Like, we're going to give you more jobs because of this, right? So to say that I'll rewrite the whole thing, there's a bit of ego caught up in that. But I have to be like, I, I, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this. I go, well, I need to be willing for this next rewrite to do the exact same thing. And yeah. I have to be willing to, to drop everything I wrote and trust that if I write it again, it's going to be better. It's it, there's that the only possibility. Yeah. If I do the same process I've been doing, there's the only possibility it will be better. And even if it's not, there you know, I always can go back to that draft. I have printed copies. They are saved on multiple discs. It's yeah. not going away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like people have copies. It's not going to go away. So the thing is, is that. Once you realize that, like, you can't lose, there's kind of a, there's just this freedom to, to, to try. And the thing is, is like, you know, okay, let's say I rewrite the whole script. I mean, you know, and this wasn't recorded, but we had a talk actually after our last podcast and I was sharing with you some ideas about what I want to do. I think actually over the last few podcasts, I've been sharing my ideas of my new rewrite. Yeah. And those awarenesses started coming out of the idea that maybe I need to be willing to cut something and like, you know, I've gotten, and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, the, it truly is, well, depends how you want to experience it, but they, they say it's killing your babies because you like wrote the scene and it's great and you love it and whatever. Like, for example, the scene with the monologue, I was telling you the literary agent was like, oh, this scene is inspired. This monologue is inspired. So in a sense, I don't want to cut that because it was inspired because someone gave me total, reward for it they gave they told me it was so great so yeah. it validated me as a writer but i need to be willing to cut that because if i'm willing to cut that i'm free if i because say that monologue is actually the very thing that's holding me back and i i don't know like my unwillingness to cut it might always limit me forever as a, yeah. as a writer so in some ways i need to be willing to cut it and the very willingness to cut it gives me more perspective i think yeah there's a story of an Oh, I, an old stage actor, like an old famous stage actor. And, and in, um, in like a rehearsal, like close to the performance, or maybe it was a performance, could have been a full performance for an audience. And there was this moment before he exited the stage and he had done something and the director came up to him and said like, Oh my God, like I, I loved like when you did this thing, you did this thing before you left like I, like it was brilliant. It was so amazing and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, there was like the person like, who's like taking the dog because on a stage play, like oftentimes they're like adding those, they add these actions into it, like during right. rehearsals and performance, right? They'd be like, Oh, okay, we'll add this action here. And he told them like, like, don't put that in there. Like, don't put that I did that in there because I don't want that in my head mm. that I, that I did this and that I have to continue to do this. Cause he, in a lot of ways, he's like, I don't, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to do it again. If it's just some premeditated thing, like it's, it, it happened because it just happened, mm-hmm. you know, because of the focus, the dedication to what was going on and this thing came out of it. Right. But it, I thought it was interesting because he just like, I never want to do that again. Like that was his response. It's like, I never want to do it again. Yeah. Never. I don't care if anybody thought it was brilliant and it was whatever. I don't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. 
You know, it's uh, one thing that's interesting about about acting, and you know, you definitely, I definitely, I definitely noticed this between like the best actors and the amateur actors is the best actors that they have a certain amount of stillness where when they're on camera, when they're just they're so connected, they almost don't even move. I was watching uh, um, a show the other day actually, and. Uh, you know, some really great actors, it's called In Treatment, which show was made in 2008, HBO, and there was this moment where I had paused it, I had paused it, because I needed to go grab something from the other room, and then I ran back to watch it, and I, and I hit play, and then I'm looking at the actor, and he's not moving at all, and I'm like, oh, I think I still have it on pause, and I looked, and it was still in play, and I was like, whoa, he was so still that I, I didn't even realize how, like, he, and he was just listening, and, and the stillness, and, like, confident actors, like, actors that really trust the, the connection, they don't need to move, they, and it might be different what's going on internally, Yeah. but I think that sometimes people think, like, oh, well, if I'm on, if I'm on film, I need to do it the same way. It's like, well, no, not really. I mean, not really, because, you know, like, if it's a close shot, you're probably we probably know you're going to be really still. That's why we chose to do a close shot. So yeah. what's going on in your head, whether you like the camera still captures your head being still, if, if something different is going on and you're feeling something different, that doesn't matter. The camera's still capturing you. You're still, you know what I mean? So like, and, and really like good directors often will, will like, I mean what they used to do with 35 millimeter film, like back in the day is they used to print one take of one actor and print the other take of the other actor. They didn't print versions of other takes. They didn't like take the best from one take and the best from another take and the best from another take. You can do that a little more now because of digital. Like you could, right. you could tailor an, an actor's performance who isn't very good and you could cut bits from certain takes to kind of make their performance better. Yeah. But back in the day, they used to just cut usually one line of film for the entire scene, for what they did, for the most part, and then one entire scene if it was on the other actor. Right. And so, the big physical actions, like you know the physicalities that they do, you're you're either leaving or you're entering, or if you're doing some big physicality in the scene, we're we're probably shooting on a wider frame. So it doesn't necessarily matter if you do a different physicality, because the thing is, is if it's truthful we're going to use the entirety of that take anyway. You know, well, at least a good director is. But if you're acting so that they can cut your performance together from all your various takes, then you're, you're almost planning for a bad performance. Like, I think, I think a confident actor would almost go, okay, I want to do one take, and I want them to hopefully they can capture it. Yeah. To the best of their ability. And you know what? Like, when I do my next take, it's not like if you did your preparation, there's probably going to be a relevant, uh, a certain amount of consistency, consistency yeah. in the next one. Right. But you might do different behaviors, but like, let that happen. Like, let that be a surprise. I mean, I think that we get sometimes worried about the continuity of, uh, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's a weird technical thing. I mean, cause yeah. the thing is like, if you, if you dishonor the truth of what's happening, if something different happens in the next take you know, you've got to respond to that you can't ignore it no you know because if you ignore it then you're faking it and that's like that's the like the most <laughs> carnal sin of, yeah. of acting it's just like you weren't truthful you know you denied what was happening 
Well, the other thing, too, is, like, when you take, take, okay, so you take, like, a movie like The Revenant, or you take something like The Big Short, or whatever, you take any of these big movies, The Martian, these are the top-of-the-line movies. They're going to shoot it till they get it right. You know what I mean? They're working with the best of the best. Yeah, and they've got a huge budget to do it. Exactly. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm, they're not... They don't want to do more takes. They don't want to no. mess it up, you know. But they 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 want to make sure they get it the way they want to get it. They have the the, the financing and it's okay. So you take your your up and coming actor who's doing their movie of the week, and they're like, "We got to get this in one or two takes, and then we're moving on. We don't care." Well, here take some pressure off yourself. First of all, they probably got some B list C list actor playing the lead role who the film's focused around, and if that's not you probably because you're not as experienced at this point, you're probably the supporting actor of the scene. So they're probably going to actually cut away from you a lot. If they have moments of truth to cut to you, that's way better than having some continuity. They're not going to be on you the whole time. They're going to be on the other person the whole time. And if you have moments of truth that they can cut to that are really connected and truthful, that's way better for them than some continuity performance. Because most likely in most scenes... They're not watching you the whole time. So they can cut away from you and no one even knows what you did in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> They're watching how the other person was reacting to you. So art, art, I think like one thing that I, that I had teachers kind of instill, a few teachers that I had instill a bit of fear into me about, oh, you got to be consistent. You got to have continuity. It was like the worst advice in a way because since I've worked more with producers and filmmakers and stuff, like they're like, yeah, we're just going to cut away to a great moment. Like, yeah, that's what they want to do. They, they're not going to be on you. They're going to be on the star and, and like d- get your ego out of it. If you're not the star of the movie, just admit you're not the star of the movie. It takes a lot of pressure off. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get to actually, in a sense, be like, it, you, you know, you take the star of the movie, the star, they know they're going to be on them a lot. So they're probably going to do more takes with the star to make sure that the star, yeah. the lead, the person who's supposed to carry the movie, they're going to do more takes on them to make sure that they got it in a way where everyone's happy. Yeah. But the supporting characters or the principals or the actors who are involved, who aren't as big, they don't need to do as many takes because they know they're cutaways more or less. So what they just want are really good cutaways. Yeah. So you're, you're, pressure of continuity is not the same yeah i mean and it's also it's like you're like it's still commitment to to the part that you're playing i saw this great uh interview with john c Riley. you know because he was especially earlier on in his career he had lots of small roles right he was kind of known as this guy who had all these small and great and did great work on so many different like whether it was comedy or drama whatever like he Mm -hmm. did it like why a lot of people think of john c Riley now for his comedy that's kind of how he became famous yeah right but like go and watch magnolia Mm -hmm. watch his performance in magnolia holy shit he is so good in that he's i think he was also in boogie nights as well he was and that's actually kind of a bit of a comedic performance as well but like (laughs) a bit of a darker twist on it but he in this interview he was asked about that. He was like about sort of all of the having played all these supporting roles. And his response was that it's like, I've always seen every character I play as being sort of the lead role in their own story. And he's like, when you see a great, you know, a great supporting performance, it's because somebody's committed to their little corner of the sky. Yes. And I was like, that's beautiful. Like, it was beautifully poetic, too. I was just like, yeah, it's like, commit to your corner of the sky. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not, you're not the whole thing, but 
man, like commit to that, that one thing that you're doing and do it, mm-hmm. you know, because that there's going to be more reward for you and more reward for them yeah. too. You know, like that's, that's you know, the secret. <laughs> you know that, uh, there's this, uh, show on, on Netflix right now called love. It's a uh, Jed Apatow, mm. uh, created it, I suppose. I haven't watched it like yet. That. But there's this scene where this actress, she's like a smaller part on this TV show and she's worried that they're going to kill her off or cut her or whatever. She's only there for a few episodes. And he says, well, take a chance. And he's just like kind of giving her some advice, but he doesn't really know what he's saying, but he gives her some advice. He's like, take a chance. And they're doing the scene. And anyway, it's not really a spoiler. It's just kind of a funny moment. Yeah. But she's, she's there and she's in the scene. It's kind of this corny show that they're on. And she's just like, all of a sudden she's like, and I'm pregnant. And she throws a glass against the wall and it shatters. And everybody's just like, whoa. And then, and then like the director and the, or the, the, I mean, not the first assistant director and the producer, they're like there and they're like, what the hell was that? (laughs) And then they're like, okay, nobody move. They come onto set. They're like, okay, nobody move. Cause they don't want anyone to get hurt from the glass. And then she's like, I'm so sorry. She's like, I don't know what came over me. And they're like, and the, and the other two guys who are in the scene, like there's a few people in the scene. They're like, are you kidding? That was awesome. And then they're like, and then she comes up to her or they come up to her and they're like, okay, we're gonna have to clean this up, clean this up. And he's like, never do that again. But listen, can you do the same thing? We got to get one more take. Because <laughs> it's really like, and then she ends up being like on the show for a while. And I yeah. think it's like, you know, the thing is, is like, I, I think Jed Apatow is brilliant because he's pointing out the fact that that's kind of how it is in a way. Like there's these things that you, I'm, I'm not saying be crazy, but there's kind of this thing where when things happen, when people like kind of do something and they're fully committed to it and they try something out and, and. It, it, there's a certain amount of when you capture it, it's like lightning in a bottle and you go, Whoa, I didn't expect that. But in a way it kind of works. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, like don't do it. Like we've talked about this before. Like yeah. don't just do it for, for the sake of being interesting. Yeah. That's always a bad way to do it. But like, if there's something that's like, you, you know, from your, your understanding that you've built, you know, up to that point and you're just like, you know what? Like, I really just like, I want to do this with this part. It's important to me that I do this or whatever. Like that can have all sorts of unexpected and wonderful. Maybe it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't, but give it a shot. Don't not do it because you're afraid of some whatever. Mm-hmm. Like some, it's, it's crazy. The, the kind of, uh, consequences that you make up in your head for, for taking a chance at something. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's probably pretty fine, especially in like film. If you're an actor, if you're in that situation, chances are they're shooting it digitally. Like the cost of them, like doing another take, you know, to get takes another 30 seconds, whatever, who cares? Like they're not even shooting on film anymore. Well, and I mean, you know, the thing is, is like the other thing too, is if you're worried about getting fired, if you're worried about making a bad impression, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to go around apologizing your whole life for everything you do? Like, you know, at a certain point, you got to take some authority over your own art and be like, Hey, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I bring to the table. And you know, and if they don't like it, they don't like it. You know what I mean? But I think at least you'd be a professional and then you, and then you adjust. Yeah. Right. Move on. Exactly. You know, like, I mean, um, and you know, if, if you don't feel like, you know what? The other thing too, is if you're working on movies of the week and stuff where people don't want to hear what you have to say, does that really the kind of actor you want to be? I'm talking about acting right now, but is that yeah. really the kind of actor you want to be? 
Like, do you want to be an actor where people don't want to hear what you have to say? I sure don't. I, that's not, I'm not interested in that. I don't even care if all my friends and family see me on television and they, they don't want to hear what I have to say. You know, forget it. I don't, I don't really care. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. Like, I, I, I don't need to be, like, I don't, you don't need people to pat me on the back and never see my movie of the week anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and just be like, oh, congratulations, you got it. And then whoever else is on movie of the week the next week, you know, it's like, whatever, none of that stuff matters. Yeah. What I, what I look at is like, I want to be a contributor. I want to be a person who's a part of it, who's doing something, who had something to add to it. And even if I'm, if I'm doing my one line or if I'm doing my lead part, I want it to be something where I was involved in the whole process. Yeah. And you know what? I think also like we haven't touched on this a lot and I think we should touch on this in maybe another talk, but how artistic integrity and having artistic integrity sometimes means saying no to work and sometimes means losing jobs. Because if you're always going to be like, if you're going to prostitute yourself to the industry and just be like, yes, they're giving me a job. I'm going to take it no matter what. I had a, one of my uh, movie makers. She's also an actress. She messaged me and she said, there's this, um, audition that these producers asked me to do because you know what happens when people work with me they end up getting connected with producers so you you don't even really audition for the role you kind of streamline a lot of stuff and she said it's a really big role here and uh but there's a sex scene for this character and i i I don't want to do it and she said what should i say to them i don't i don't want to do this and i said tell them that you don't want to do it and she goes well i don't want to upset anybody i'm sitting and i pointed out to her i said don't worry if you upset them or not and she said, I don't want to upset my agent either because my agent, like, I've gotten this opportunity and blah, 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 blah. And I said, if your agent has a problem with this, lose the agent. Get rid of the agent. Yeah. That's the least of your worries. You know what I mean? Like, like I give a shit if you like me or not. And, and you know what? You want to make money off of, like, you know, if I was a woman and I had to show my breasts and I had to do all this stuff and I had to do a sex scene I didn't want to do and I didn't think it was tasteful. And my agent, or made sense or was needed or exactly. whatever and you did it anyhow you know what they'll do if they really want you they'll figure it out and they'll cut it or they'll work it you know what yeah. i mean but if you just say yes then they then like whatever like that's then you're trying to keep everybody happy but my my thing is artistic integrity i i just my point to her was this every deal you make and whether this is in art or whether this is in business make it win 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 three wins you win they win, it wins. If one loses, you're out of integrity. If you ever want to get into a deal where someone loses, you're an asshole. Like, that means you're taking advantage of something. Yeah. Or you're taking advantage of yourself or someone. So, if in art, I think it's this, win, win, win. You win, you stay in your integrity, you don't lose. They win, they stay in their integrity, they don't lose. The project wins or the art piece wins and you stay in your integrity. And if any of those are ever broken... You're out of integrity. You're, you're, you're off. And you know what? We might get immediate rewards. I'm on my soapbox right now. I just realized, but listen, (laughs) we might get immediate rewards for being out of integrity. You get the job today. You lose forever because you compromised your integrity forever and it never goes away. You know? So if you don't want to do those types of things, don't do them. Like if, for example, if, if you're someone who's say, let's just work with actresses for the time being. So if you're an actress who says, you know, women are constantly sexually exploited in movies, don't go do a movie where you're sexually exploited. You're, you, you don't get to talk about how they're always sexually exploited if you're participating in it. And don't complain, yeah, but, 
that's the only type of movie they're making. If no one ever stands up to it, it'll never change. Yeah. So, you know what? If they want you bad enough, they'll change it. They'll move it. And you know what? If they won't, then you don't want to work with them. And if you're not getting jobs, go make your own stuff. Because if if we just are at the whim of the world and we're just victims, I mean, don't complain about it. You're you're choosing to be a victim. If you if you choose to be at the whim of the world, you get what you get. If you choose to be a creator, a maker, an artist who is a creator, I think it actually creative integrity is almost better than artistic integrity. Is if you're gonna be a creator, if you're gonna be an artist, take charge of what you want in the world. You know what I mean? It's interesting. I'm thinking that like you know we talk about like oh we talk about art and integrity and whatever. It's like you know, in some ways I feel like to for a true act of creation through for a true piece of art to exist it has to inherently have integrity because if it's because if it doesn't it means it's exactly it's in some ways it's subject to that exactly like we're just like well if if you've compromised on something that is extraordinarily important to you in what you've created that is you consider to be I don't know it's something that's just that's just vital for the existence of it <laughs> for the creation of it and you compromised on that well then it's not really a true act of creation which means that it can't truly be art no no I mean uh, you know it I think what the I think that one of the things, and I know we've been focused a lot on acting, and it's probably because of the Oscar thing going on right now. But um, actors, because it's high supply and low demand comparatively, there's very few jobs compared to the supply. You can easily be subjugated to this technician person that's just there to fill a job, and although. Like, you know, and I, I've heard actors say, well, if, if I don't do the role, someone else will. What does that have to do with anything? It, you know, like it doesn't have to do with anything. Like, you know, um, if, if you're doing roles that you don't like just because you want to get the part and someone else doesn't, I mean, you're perpetuating the problem. Yeah. It, it's just going to continue. It's only going to persist. You know, so what? Let someone else have the role. You know, let someone else get the role. I've turned down roles. I've said, I've said no to a lot. And, you know, people can say, well, whatever. Oh, you haven't done that much stuff. But you know what? I've done a lot of stuff. The thing is, is, is I've done stuff that I cared about. Yeah. And you know, it's good for me. I don't like, what do I care whether someone likes what I do or not? You know, there, and you can stand behind it. I can stand behind what I've done, you know? And, and, and the way I look at it is this, is if you're, if you're, if you really want to be, I, I appreciate actors who are fully committed to acting. They want to be great actors and they don't really want to get bogged down by writing or, or production or anything. I think that there's a risk. There's a huge risk to just be an actor these days. I think that, um, to be an actor and to want to succeed in film and to not really get invested in other elements of what gets a film made and to not even get invested in being a producer. Like you don't have to learn how to write or direct or doing that stuff. But I think actors, it's in your interest to learn to produce in my opinion, because then you have some control over getting stuff made. But for people who just want to act, they say, no, I just want to act. I just want to be a really great actor. If that's what you want to do, if you start compromising your integrity, you probably 
just look at the statistics, we will never be a great actor. If you look at the great actors, you'll start to look at their history, read their autobiographies, read their biographies, and you'll start to notice there's a consistent thing where they did not compromise their integrity. Yeah. And in a way that they thought, in the way that they approached everything, the way that they approached the industry. You know, it might sound like we're slagging on, on the industry. It's like, no, it's, it's not about that. Like, you know, the industry is neither good nor bad. You yeah. know, it, it is what it is. It's just a machine. It's just, yeah, it's just a, it's just a machine, you know, it's, it's an industry like any other industry. Uh, you know, you decide how, (coughs) but you're the one who decides how you want to fit with it. And you're the one who decides how you want to work with it. Yeah. You know, should we, uh, should we wrap this one up or are we, uh, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) Wow. Time really flies. Time really does fly. Um, okay. Well, you know, okay. uh, On our final note here. Yeah. I mean, if the industry responds, you know, responds to how people behave within it. And the thing is, is, um, you know, I think, yeah, I don't remember what our earlier talk was, but we were talking about competition and how that's kind of, uh, works against you. But if you work from a place of competition, you probably will compromise your integrity because you'll look at things as scarce and you'll look at things as, you know, you need to do the role or you need to do the thing because if you don't, someone else will. And then you, you, you're basically always at their beck and call. You're always at whosoever beck and call. And they might not be that conscious or thinking about what they're doing. If you focus really on your craft and you focus really on being really great at what you do, um, they say in most jobs, in most careers, you want to ultimately become irreplaceable. You want to become someone who is... the company could not live without. And, and if you become that thing as an actor that they, they, they almost cannot go without, then you, you'll get to do what you want to do. But if you're trying to like, be like, to, to cut corners on that, then I I think you're, you're always going to compromise your integrity. You're never really going to be great. You kind of just got to look at it this way. Just work on your craft and be as best as you can. And like, Look at it like, how do I, like, just ask yourself questions. How do I get better? How do I get better at doing this thing emotionally? How do I be funnier? How do I work on my stage presence? How do I work on my confidence? How do I work on these things? Things that you can control and build and develop and, and, and create that. If you do that and you do that in enough areas, it's going to come through. It's going to resonate. At some point, it's going to figure out. And I don't know how long it's going to take start working smart, start getting help from experts, from people who can really help you, who can help guide you, who believe in you. Don't work with people who don't believe in you. That's yeah. out of your integrity. If some, if you're, if you're in an acting class, go to your teacher and go, do you believe in me? And if, if they hesitate and they don't know, say, listen, just say to them, listen, either you believe in me or you don't. This is, this is how this is going to work. And yeah. if you don't believe in me, I need another class. But if you do believe in me, let's figure out what we need to do to make this work. And these are my goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? But if you're, if you're trying to prove to everybody that you're good enough and comparing yourself and subjugating yourself to roles, well, you're going to, the results will probably speak for themselves. You probably will not get what you want. Yeah. If you take it the other way, take ownership, talk to people, get them to believe in you, take responsibility, take control. That's my, my note that I would leave people with. All right. Well, we talked about a lot today. For me, my big thing is, you know, like take take the attention off of yourself 
you know, like really put your attention onto what it is you're doing. Figure out what really has meaning to you. You know, have that conversation with yourself, you know, have, have, and, and, and tr- don't be afraid of it, you know, cause like it's either, like you said, you're going to pay for it, you know, you're up front now or you're going to pay for it later. So figure out what has meaning to you and, and take the attention off yourself, committing to what that is. Um, I mean, I don't know, man, we talked about so many great things today. It's so hard to wrap this one up. Uh, but yeah, like it's, think about this, whatever it is that you're doing for the long haul, you know, don't, don't think about, oh, well, I got to do this now. I got to do this now or like, and compromise yourself in some way that's actually very important to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else I got today. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, I think all, like also like ha- what you're pointing out is like, if you have a greater vision than just getting by right now and like, like if, you know, I don't know, we didn't really talk about this, but like if you trust and have faith that it's going to work out one day, like things are going to work out, you don't know when it could be now, it could be later and you, and you let that go and you don't, it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when make choices today that set up for that point for when it happens. Yeah. If you're asking yourself if all the time, I mean, that's just going to be hell. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of when you stay with something long enough. I mean, it always gives in, you know, Yeah. like usually people just give up too soon. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a saying it's uh, people rarely ever fail. They just give up. I like it. Well, it was not so serious, but we did get serious. We sure did. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.